Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Do you remember where you were when we elected a Sasquatch president? How about when you learned Ben Franklin was a robot? Or first heard Stalin's mixtape? I'm Zach Powers. I'm Brian Flynn, and we host The Revisionists. Each episode, one person explains real history and another tells an alternate version. And the winner becomes the truth. We let comics from Denver and around the country run wild through history. It's an in-depth look at history, but with more Babadooks. Check out The Revisionists, available every other Saturday. Wherever you get podcasts and at revisionistpodcast.com. Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. This is a special edition of Real Nerds Podcast. See, you guys even stopped me from saying it this time. Because you didn't do it the normal way, so I that's right. wasn't prepared. Yeah, so that's why I did you it. You didn't welcome you, anyone. Yeah, I wasn't because I didn't want Brad to stomp on my introduction. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast. Not officially the unofficial. <laughs> See, now, now the listeners feel welcome. I was worried for change, but now I'm glad it's all normal again. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast. Unofficially the official, the official podcast, podcast of Denver, Denver Comic Con 2018 and beyond. <laughs> I am Ryan. With me is... <laughs> Fuckface, oh. douchebag, James, cool guy. Yeah, only guy didn't interrupt me. See, that's how it goes, guys. I was a cool guy last week. Were you? Yeah. Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome oh. back after two weeks not being here. I know it sucks yeah. ass. Sorry. Um, well, you know how was uh how was that that Marvel movie? Was it oh, pretty it was good? awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys didn't want to wait for me, so it's cool. Whatever. Go fuck oh, yourselves. Excuse me. We did a three-hour show. Mm-hmm. We, we wait as long as we could. That's true. I it mean, was a long time. Yeah. One more day. Half the show is the review. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was good. I listened to it on my way to... Hey, we did it, guys. We finally did a good one without him. Woo! What? I said it was good, <laughs> not Aww. great. Pretty good, Alexander. <laughs> so now that you're here, are you going to stab Zach for beating your record? No. Shut up. <laughs> I thought he'd forget about it. I, I, no, no, I would stab you guys because the only way he can get here is if one of you guys picks him up or we tell him where we're at. That's so yeah, that's your fault. Oh, fault. Didn't even occur to me we could just stop telling Zach where we're recording. <laughs> uh, Zach, Duh. we're recording under a bridge next week. Oh, sweet. I'll be there. Just yeah. a bridge. <laughs> just wait there for about 15 minutes going like, wait a minute. No, <laughs> honestly, it's always good. You know, it's it's awesome that we've established... A podcast that people come on and continue to come on and continue to listen to, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. You can also, uh, if you put it on the website yet, our t-shirts, or is it just on Facebook? I put it on Twitter. Oh, yeah, not the website yet. I did an Instagram one. Um, so you, if you uh, go to our Facebook account, uh, Real Nerds Podcast, you can see our design for our exclusive Denver Comic Con t-shirt. That was approved by Denver Comic Con to be an exclusive there. So uh, we also have a little Google thing where you can order it, and we can kind of see where we're at. The more we order, the cheaper they get, guys. So buy one for you, buy one for your friends, buy one for your mom, buy one for your dad, buy yeah. one for everybody. Order buy one for your dog. Order hundreds yes. of them so that my cost goes down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got them last year. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, no, I, ju- I just meant my personal, the one that I keep. Oh, I get what you're saying. I want my shirt to only be like $6. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you uh, forget to order something, we will have a few left over. Again, we don't know how many. We got to kind of see where we're at. Yeah. But there will be some at the con. But if you order from us and we know what you want, then you can get the size you want. At the con, we could run out of sizes. We don't this know. This is true. This is true. When yeah, I, especially uh, if you want like, you know. Some extra small. Right. Yeah. Like special sizes. When I registered for the exclusive, they asked how many quantities of the product would I have. And I only said 10. So mm. right. that's the bare minimum that we'll have there. That's our that's our guess for people who walk up unprepared and say, and show Ooh. interest. Yeah. And go like, my um, nipples are cold from this cosplay from Conan. Can I have that T-shirt, bro? <laughs> it'll be it'll be a very exclusive, exclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless you sign up well, online first. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, so, if we get enough, then we just keep on ordering them. It's the Rosetta True. Stone at the con. <laughs> and the form also has uh, options to order last year's shirt and some other stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. I finally got my Cardigan Saro shirt ordered. Yay! See, we, we can... need eleven more. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. shit! <laughs> to be ordered, and then we can print it. My nice. that shirt's gonna cost me like three hundred dollars. Yeah. We get a bill from Brad. I'm like, X. oh man. <laughs> oh man. You have a frame. Put it on a wall. You have a no. kid later on. Dad, can I touch that shirt? No. <laughs> what is this specialty printing fee? That's your college fee? fund. <laughs> Three hundred dollars. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, before we get going, I'm going to mention something really quick and kind of bring the whole show down. Uh, my cousin killed himself uh, last week, and oh, he was a veteran. So anytime you feel that oh. it's not enough, or you need to, someone to talk to, make sure you reach out to the Veterans Crisis Line. You can call them twenty four seven at one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Because the veterans sometimes go through a lot of stuff, so just make sure that you reach out because there's always going to be someone around to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's family or whether it's a crisis line, remember, someone does care about you, and it's not a good way to end your life. Oh, that's um, terrible. So uh, that's out of the way. Make sure you talk to people. Get that out of the way. Um, every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie, and we podcast our experience to the world. Uh, this week, we didn't want to see the new Overboard remake. Overboard remake. Oh, God. What I couldn't even remember what movies came out this week. Absolute abortion. What a terrible... Ugh. I well, guess I should see it. Yeah. I'm going to rent it, but I'm just, I'm just angry. I'm just angry. Okay. Well. I mean, no one can replace Russell and Han. No. Kurt and Goldie. Yeah, it just doesn't... Anyway, whatever. If anybody can do it, it's Anna Ferris. Yeah, and some obnoxious dude. Edgar Ramirez. Well, I guess... Like, it, no, the, is the, that his name? The, wait, no, maybe it's not. No, I heard it's, it's a dude from How to Be a Latin Lover. He's really popular in Mexico. I don't know who he is, though. All I know is that they have about negative 14... They have less charisma than the people in those uh, Fifty Shades movies. Or not charisma, uh, chemistry. Like, Wow, that's if, a bold statement. If they cast Kate Hudson and Wyatt Russell, would that have been weird? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> Yes, that would have been weird. Yeah. yeah, that's about as weird as it can get. I don't think I like your version of Overboard, Brad. <laughs> so I when we uh, look at the schedule, we go, hmm, we don't want to see anything. This is what we do. We do a new film explosion. And this is the first film explosion of the year. It's pretty late for a film explosion, it, it seems like. It's been a good year. We've seen yeah. two Marvel movies already, and it's only like May. And soon another It's even one. more impressive considering how shitty the releases were for about three months yeah that's true well there was there was always like something to see there was just a number of weeks where that thing that we went and saw was okay you know um yeah like there's there's just there's always been something to check out yep uh, which is unusual so we're gonna go back guys to a place when i was only seven years old you weren't born a place we call 1988 <laughs> he's pointing to zach 
I'm pointing yeah. to Zach. Yeah. Sorry. I was a year old. I was well, no, I was like th- two months old. I was out in the cosmos somewhere there, yes. somewhere out there. You're just a little <laughs> swimming tadpole in your dad's nut sack. You were, you, were, you were trapped on Vormir. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. It requires a sacrifice. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so what we do on Film Explosion, if you never listen to Real Nerds Podcast, we uh, have a list of our 10 favorite films. <laughs> you picked the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> no, Find another episode. No, that's uh, a good one. Come on, yeah. guys. Relax. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Give you look at the list. The movies this year suck. I don't think so. Uh, I had yeah. fun. I, I think you were. I'm with cra- Brad. You're both crazy. <laughs> no. I, I had a hard you're, time getting to 10. Yeah. You're You're cray. You're so cray. My I, wife I, says that to me. She texts she that. She does not. She does. She texts me that stuff. I'm like, I do not know what you are saying to me. Does she mean Trey? Does no, she mean like you're crazy? She says uh, Trey, Trey like Parker. Cray cray. Oh, that'd be that'd be oh, awesome. Take away her magazines. Well, no, no, she, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because she'll say she'll say cray af, which means crazy as fuck. Oh, and I said oh, it's exactly. It I know. I said it's 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 exactly the same as saying crazy as fuck. It's the exact same amount of syllables. You saved a syllable. <laughs> All right, Laura. No more reading Tiger Beat. <laughs> <laughs> That's still a like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, tired of seeing David Cassidy look back at me. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. So what we do is we uh, we go back in time 30 years, and we're picking our 10 favorite films. Some guys struggled. I didn't really struggle. Um, so I, I will put this. <laughs> I will put this caveat in it that the my three top films are great films. Yeah. The other films are like I like these movies and they're really fun. Um, yeah. Oh, I'll, and that's where I'm at. My my top like four movies are actually movies that deserve to be on this list. My bottom two, like my nine and ten, are bad films, not like like objectively bad films. <laughs> I'm I'm excited to get into it. All right, uh, with that, here's our 1988 theme song. Movies. <laughs> 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 It's an interesting remix with the coughing in it. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, are you all right? That was my bad. No, uh, just, stop smoking. Uh, if you're if you're gonna cough, turn away from the fucking mic. These are directional mics. Gosh, how many episodes has he been on in a row? Not enough. We should have like uh, one of those uh, uh, directional things, like the uh, airplane has, of like covering the mic and then coughing to the side. Because <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing that I'm worried about, Zach. You've this is your 57th episode in a row. Sound right? Yeah, fifty six. Fifty sixth, and you still don't know how to talk in the mic. Fucking like, Christ, dude! Like this, yuck! Uh, <laughs> I will never get that out of my mind. <laughs> no. Eventually, one of us will get a house, and I'll set up a nice little recording studio, and uh, we'll we'll just get cough buttons. Well, I mean, if you guys want to ever come up to Idaho Springs, I have a second bedroom well, that no one uses. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, yeah. The problem is yours doesn't have a basement. I want somebody with a house with a nice little basement with a corner. I'm gonna build. A, I'm gonna build a table and mount all the mics on it. I can see it in my mind, man. I know. I I wanted a house with a basement, but the problem is, is I, I was you live in Denver. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, like the, I was literally reading uh, article in the Denver Post, and it's only two percent of homes on the market are below three hundred thousand dollars right now. That's crazy. I yeah. mean, and you can't. I mean, because. When I was buying a house, I couldn't compete with people who can offer 50000 over asking price with cash. Yeah. And you go, hmm, well, that's not me. <laughs> what did I do with my life? Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's who, I, who, who has this kind of money? Right. Like, I, I tried. Admin probably bankers, CEOs. Yeah. That's, not millennials. No way. No. No, <laughs> no way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, I have a third bedroom that we don't use. It's uh, We have a guest bed in there. 
now. And so I have all my cop shit in there. Yeah. So when I get ready, I, I lay it on the bed. And the other day, I left and I uh, put... I, I, sometimes it's hard because I wear a vest and it gets really hot. So I have to decide if I'm wearing long sleeve or short sleeve when it's in between. It's like 40 to 50 degrees. You own long sleeve shirts? Yeah. Oh, wow. And I... So I put them on there, and so one day I was like, oh, I'm going to wear a short sleeve. Big mistake. But I put it – so I left my long sleeve out there, and I told my wife that uh, – she said, well, when you go pick up Kellen, maybe you can pick up something where you can put your fucking clothes in. It's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh. I don't think it's supposed to come across like that, but that's how I read it. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you say like um – they don't sell third bedrooms in at the Walmart. Yeah, I, I don't know. So I know I'm guess I'm supposed to get like a little tub. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. So I still leave them on the bed. Did she just give you clearance to make your own bat cave, basically? <gasps> like build yes. well next to your uh, house. Uh, no. So my the only thing I can do. So if you've been to our house lately, is the the living room has all my shit in it. Yeah. That that's me. <laughs> Everything else is what she wants. Yeah. Marriage. <laughs> Some, someday you'll have a nice basement, and you'll be you'll be. Oh no, we're never moving. Exiled into that. Well, well, okay. Build, build an extension like Homer Simpson did, where it's just made out of all plywood and whatnot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wish. I know that's what that's the same thing I struggle with my wife. She says, "Well, we're living there for thirty years," and I just blink. Thirty years, <laughs> like 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 Homer. She doesn't ever want to move. Okay. Whatever, that's fine. Yeah, but I, I just sit there and go, "Okay." D- does she hey, want a pool? It just means I don't have to help you move. I'm good with this. You'd never help me move. I pay people to make me move now. (laughs) Fuck Uh, that. Yeah. Because here's the thing. When so I was looking at prices, so I had I'd have to get the big U-Haul. Yeah. So that's seventy nine. It's true. It's like it's it ends up being like two hundred dollars to rent the truck or two hundred dollars to get you know two men in a truck for two hours. Exactly. So I paid flat rate. I went on you go on this website called Thumbtack and you say this is what you have. Oh yeah. And then people argue about how they're going to help you. I said, well, it's one guy. (laughs) This one guy said he'd move my whole house for four hundred dollars, and the guy's like, job. "I'll do it for three seventy-five. Done. I'm going to do a shitty job. No, I'm going to do a shitty job. So it cost me three hundred seventy-five dollars to have two guys move my stuff and me just sit there. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know what? It is worth it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Tell me more about Real Mover, new, Real Movers podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to uh, Being an Adult by Ryan. Oh. Next week, we'll tell you how to properly bend down to pick up a box. <laughs> You know, I actually had to do that for training at work. Yeah. Pick up a box? Back uh, yeah. insurance. I'm like, really? All right. I had to do it for Sounds physical good. therapy, like with a 40-pound to lift up onto a shelf. It's like part of getting the foot back in motion, and it's it's rough. Yeah, physical <laughs> therapy sucks. Yeah. Anyways, Great. that's life, and we also do movies. <laughs> <laughs> There's no script on this podcast. We just do what we want. Yeah. I start to feel like I'm... Kevin Smith, where you know they're supposed to start the podcast, and I tell stupid stories, and they go yeah, on an way too long. Yep, and this is goes, why I stopped listening. And everyone goes, "Man, just get on with the <laughs> fucking list." So, um, Brad, we'll start with you. Tell us your tenth favorite film from a year called 1988. That's the one. There we go. Oh gosh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, what should I pick? But you didn't make a list. Which my number? <laughs> <laughs> what should I pick? Uh, like I said, like I had, I, I had a hard time getting to ten. So yeah. you know, the last couple, I was just like, I, I don't know. Uh, Land Before Time. Long ago, in the land of the dinosaurs, five friends took an incredible journey. You want to go with me? Yeah. In search of the Great Valley. Oh, you can't quit now. From the creators of an American tale. <laughs> a story of friendship, courage. Quick, this way. 
and laughter. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg present a Don Bluth film, The Land Before Time, rated G. Starts Friday, November 18th at theaters everywhere. That's a good one. I, I mean, guess, yeah. Yeah. I, if, you're, movie, if you're six. Yeah, I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah. I really did. And it, it's like heartbreaking. Uh, like, it always really scared me at the beginning. And then the T-Rex is cool. It's scary. Animated. Have yeah. you ever shown your son Land Before Time, Ryan? Oh, yeah. He watches it all the time with my wife. And oh, okay. I, I think it's garbage, but they Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't dare watch it today. Yeah, I had a hard time watching it. They had a midnight of it at the Esquire Ooh. a while back, and mm. I just I think we were fell both, asleep. Yeah, we were both <laughs> fell asleep. Well, the... Yeah. the you watch it as a kid, and you know you like the dinosaurs. You like right. the monster uh, T Rex and the lava, whatever. Because it's basically like Barbie, but with dinosaurs. Or yeah. Bambi, with, but with di- dinosaurs, right? Basically, yeah. yeah. And it, you, I can't believe there's like 14 of them. Oh when, yeah, it just would not stop. It doesn't stop. They're still making them. The <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> it, it is cute, and you know the little fucking dinosaur goes yep 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 yep. <laughs> that little yep. fucking dinosaur. I remember getting the toys at Pizza Hut. And when I was little, mm-hmm. and you would see Pizza Hut used to be cool when we were kids. You'd order uh, everything pizza used to be cool when we were and kids, and they would come with little squishy dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And when you I, went when you went to Little Caesars, I think you had to like you had to say a special word, and they would give you the toy. Uh, I remember. Oh yeah, I remember but I remember it's like pizza, pizza. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> oh, I, no, I think I think it was. It was something like that. Yeah. I, I remember Little Caesars used to come in paper uh, bags, and they'd slide the pizzas used to be square. Yeah, I remember the square pizza. That was cool. And now they're still like the most popular pizza brand because they only charge you five bucks for pizza and really not that bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Land Before Time, I, I don't know. I Watching it again, I just go, no, not my thing. Yeah. yeah. Where some films, animated films, hold up surprisingly super well. And I can only guess what Brad's number one is, but uh, I can uh, have a list this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's all right. My kid likes it. I yeah, remember I don't. being slow when we saw it at the Esquire. Like, oh, it's, yeah. it's only it's sixty o- minutes long. I know that's the weird thing. What? But it's like, but it's Wait. got these like. It's like it's six, only sixty minutes. It's long? Like sixty-seven minutes. Yeah. 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 No. There's a lot of destruction, and then the dinosaur kids meet up and they hang out, and then they find their parents, and they escape from a tyrannosaurus. Yeah. What's the, what's the uh, Green Valley called? Hidden Valley, where they have to get to. That's I why they're. I think it's the Green Valley. Valley. Is yeah. it the Green Valley? Yeah. Oh, it's the Great Valley. The Great, Valley. Great Valley. Great Valley. Yeah. There we go. Um, I was gonna say that, like, you know how like in like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, like how it's like seventy something minutes long and whatnot, but there's like stretches of it where it's like feels epic and wide and like it moves at its own pace. Mm-hmm. Or even Bambi, it's kind of the same thing there. Like, but it's beautifully animated as a result. Like they they took care and time into it. So. Yeah, sixty in that minutes. in that one. I'm not saying in the other ones, but so the yep 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 dinosaur is named Ducky, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So dinosaurs know what ducks are in that period. Well, it's a duck no. build dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, it's a duck build dinosaur. It's a kids movie, man. I know. Like, don't yeah. think too hard into it. Yeah. But they named it after a thing that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm always tempted to get Rover Dangerfield because it's through Warner Archives, mm-hmm. so you have to order it from them. But it's also like eighteen bucks. I mean, that's really expensive. I Oof. think it's only on DVD. It's it is only on right. DVD. Yeah. Fingers crossed for the Blu-ray. <laughs> I think they're cute. The, the, the no, no, they're are so, cute. Yeah. Again, it's Her if you're a kid, it's it's not bad. Yeah. I, I don't. I put on my ten, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this isn't a rejection. Hey, it's, it's better than my ten. Is it, James? What's your? And you have anything else to say about Land Before Time? Nope. <laughs> what's your number ten, James? Uh, my number ten is a bad film. My number ten is Ernest Saves Christmas. 
In the past, there have been many traditional ways to celebrate Christmas. With songs, with gifts, with family and friends. There's a new way. Ho, 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 Bert. With Ernest. <laughs> Ernest P. Warren. He's back. Know what I mean? Back to save Santa. Santa's in the slammer. Look at those beady, twinkling eyes. Back to save Christmas. <laughs> back to save face. You're dead meat. That's life for you. Isn't she a doll? Ernest T. Worrell. Mr. Funtime. In the mission they said couldn't be done. On Comet. On Cupid. On Donder. In the movie they said shouldn't be done. Dopey, scruffy, a blister. You guys say you have a problem with reindeer? Trim the tree. Light the candle. Deck the hall. And hit the deck. Because Ernest P. Oral's coming to town. And he's coming with colorful cars and festively wrapped packages. <laughs> Air brakes. <laughs> Ernest saves Christmas. Uh, yeah, I put this on here mostly because I, like, I got to save Christmas. You know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> <laughs> I I really enjoyed these movies as a kid. Um, this one not so much. This one's not good. Like, uh, uh, this is probably like the fourth best Ernest movie. I don't know. I never saw Ernest goes to Africa, but I mean that one seems just problematic. Um, that was a constant play on the Disney Channel. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. At Christmas time. time, they played Ernest saves Christmas a lot. Um, so how does he save Christmas? Uh, like, I think he... I tried to forget. I think, I, I think like, uh, Santa gets killed or something, or caught, or, and then he has to pretend for a while to be Santa. I don't remember. It's bad. <laughs> the plot of most <laughs> Santa yeah. switcheroo movies. Right. Yeah, it's a Santa switcheroo. Yeah, it's, it is one of those. So um, Santa But at least Jim Varney's in it, and he's really amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I had fun with it as a kid and thought, like, oh, it's a fun, earnest movie, but with Christmas... Once you grow out of the oh it's a fun earnest movie age, then you're like okay maybe it's his sleigh breaks down because I remember they're at the airport uh, yeah. a lot. Oh yeah, that oh yeah, oh er- yeah. Right. Uh, Ernest is like a taxi driver. Yeah, for the airport in that one. I tend to get it and Ernest goes to jail confused a lot, which is <laughs> I think maybe the third best one because I think it's it's either scared stupid or goes to camp and then goes to jail. And then saves Christmas. Yeah. And then other garbage be- below that. Um, anyway, yeah. Ernest Saves Christmas. Terrible film. Don't watch it. It's my number 10 favorite film of 1988. Zach? All right. Um, so since I wasn't even uh, thought in my dad's pants at this point, um, all of my choices are kind of based off of culling through and just seeing what everyone like kind of says is the best or just stuff that I find on a whim. And, so have you um, watched these films? I do. Of okay. I do. No, I, no, well, no. The way you like, set it mean, up, you're what like, I'm saying is he means that none I, of them are nostalgic. Oh, okay. None yeah. of them are really nostalgic okay. per se. Like, except for like, I saw some of them in high school. Um, what he said is, I made this shit up. But what he meant was, <laughs> gotcha. none of this is nostalgia. Yeah. Gotcha. So, but within that though, uh, my number ten is a film by a Baltimore-based filmmaker and his drag friend. My number ten is Hairspray. Baltimore, 1962. 
the heyday of hairdos and hair don'ts. We shall overcome someday. Not with that hair, you won't. Heartthrobs and hefty girls. Mama, welcome to the 60s. Hot dates and hit talkers. No matter what you've heard, we are going to teach the white children how to do the birds. Beatniks and hair hoppers. I can't see through her hair. And one magic potion that holds it all together. times they're a changing something's blowing in the wind let's get naked and smoke are you now or have you ever gone steady you've got something against connie francis white trash plain and simple fetch me my diet pills would you hun oh mother you're so 50s starring sonny bono ruth brown Divine, Michael St. Gerard, Debbie Harry, Ricky Lake, Jerry Stiller, and Sean Thompson. The new comedy from John Waters. It's way beyond Greece. Hairspray. Why's your friend a drag? Uh, no. <laughs> is Because uh, I'm not a Baltimore-based filmmaker, so I just killed your logic. Uh, no, um, Hairspray, that, wasn't, that wasn't the joke. Why's <laughs> <laughs> my friend? Oh. There you They're go. a drag. Never mind. I, I, he hey, caught uh, up eventually. You know, see average in high school, guys. I'm not that smart. Um, <laughs> Good thing you're into movies. I, uh, yeah. Um, so Hairspray from 1988. It's John Waters' first Family film? <laughs> I guess only family film, too, unless you count Crybaby, but I could make an argument for why that's not. Um, and it's it was a film that he wrote just in the same fashion as his other films, and somehow it got a PG rating, and then it became this big like sleeper hit in 88. Um, and it has uh, Divine plays the mother and also the station manager boss. Um, of the TV station. Uh, if you don't know the story of Hairspray, it's a girl named Tracy wants to dance on a Courtney Collins show, um, but then she runs... Ricky into, Lake? R- Ricky Lake, yes. Ricky oh. Lake. Um, who, uh, but then she, she runs like into nice problems with the station when they cancel the um, black person only dancing day, and she becomes involved in the civil rights movement. And it's, uh, it's a pretty like out there kind of story, that they ended up taking years later and turning into a great musical. Um, but this one is made strictly in Waters fashion, where it's it's grimy, it's gritty, it's got a weird, weird vibe to it. Um, there's, like, moments where, like, it, like, the camera doesn't really, like, utilize close-ups very well. Like, it's there's a lot of wide shots and a lot of, like, medium shots. There's, they don't really use the close-up that much. And so, like, it, it looks like it's shot on a budget. And so it's got this kind of, like charm to it where i'm like oh it's a do-it-yourself kind of nostalgia piece um and it's got um divine doing a really earnest performance um unlike anything he ever did with john waters or anything period um where he's like sincerely believes like 
getting into the role of this mother character, which is Edna Turnblad. Um, the, the sad, heartbreaking thing of this is, is two weeks after the film came out and the glowing reviews were coming out for Divine, uh, Divine passed away of a heart attack. Mm. Um, so it's, it's like one of those, like, it's a, it's a great film that kind of has a bittersweet, like, epilogue to it mm-hmm. um, in, in its history. Um, but if you watch it, it's just as charming and delightful as the remake they did years later. Um, it ends differently. Um, it's got uh, Jerry Stiller plays the dad in the movie, um, uh, and it's and he's funny as all hell. Um, Sonny Bono's in this film, um, which is weird for Sonny Bono to be in a John Waters movie. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, but um, uh, and it just like his love for that period, um, which is pre Beatles, because he says he doesn't like the Beatles for whatever reason. He's a weird guy, John Waters. But no. um, just see, yeah, I know, shocking, right? <laughs> What's up with his mustache? <laughs> um, uh, little like Richard, he's trying mom. to imitate Little Richard. It's well quaffed. <laughs> um, but he, uh, he he has a fond nostalgia for that period, and I think it really shows in that film. And that's like that's something that means a lot to me. Like you take something that you really love about whether it's history or any subject matter, or whatnot, and you put your heart into it, even if it's as grimy and gritty as Hairspray can be. So, number ten, Hairspray. Cool. Nice. Ryan, I have one question. Sure. How many times has Ricky Lake openly hit on you in your life? Once. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> a true story. Um, <laughs> it's not a visual podcast, but my eyes just like popped. <laughs> uh, maybe someday I'll regale you the tale of when I was on the Ricky Lake show. Um, Can you sing it like a sonnet? <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that video still out there? I, 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 it's I on I Facebook, it. yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Or you can dig my through my wife's Facebook. Um, yeah. yeah, no, she's a nice lady. Uh, my number 10 is the exact opposite of Zach it's actually the only reason it is on this list is because it's nostalgic Uh, when I was younger I always thought it was it was so cool how the two Corys would uh, mingle in this uh, movie and all they wanted was a license to drive meet the Andersons they're all awaiting a big event for your information, this is exactly what I ate when I was pregnant with all of you. But Les is excited about an even bigger event. Less than 48 hours away, the people at the Department of Motor Vehicles are going to be handing you your license. His reputation is riding on it. Do you think there's any chance we could get it Saturday night? Not a chance in hell, Dean. The date of a lifetime depends on it. Mercedes Lane. But it doesn't look good. You failed. He failed? Honey, what is wrong with you? Is this the end for Les Anderson? I thought that we had a date tonight. An innocent girl. Harmless drive. What could possibly go wrong? See, license to drop. Hold on, hold on. Uh, You got to show him the rest. Oh? Oh, okay. Les knew that he could regret it. This is it. I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. He knew he might be sorry. Aren't you drinking rather heavily? This Mercedes has a dead battery. Okay. Okay, do your breathing. But he did it anyway. There's nothing to worry about. like a sign a sign from the big 
Mr. Goodwrench in the sky. Will Les get the car home in one piece? Will his father leave Les in one piece? You are damn lucky your mother didn't go into labor time. No, I, I am in labor! What? License to drive. Does it have a happy ending? Uh, license to Drive is sto- tells the story of Corey Haim trying to get his license, and he fails the the driving test. His license to drive? Yes. Okay. And, <laughs> I just want to be clear. And, uh, so his cool friend, Corey Feldman. Oh, my. They go out. So Together? It's, yes. In a movie? So it's, it's pretty much every 80s movie where the kid fails the test, inevitably decides he's going to take the car anyway to impress a girl. Yeah. And shenanigans ensue. And it's not a great movie, but it's one of those movies that I remember really liking as a kid. And because it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's not good. Uh, <laughs> I remember see- I saw it right after I saw The Goonies for the first time. Yeah. Because I was like, Corey Feldman's like kind of a funny kid. I wonder what else yeah. he's done. And I watched this one and I'm like, okay. Yep. That was, that was tolerable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not a horrible movie. It's yeah. not great, but it, the nostalgic factor for me outweighs whatever could happen. And then I always love the scene when he, so he ends up, so he tricks getting his license because the computers crash when everybody's taking their driving exam. So he just, as, as they did often in 1988, yes. <laughs> constant yes. computer crashes. And he, he was so scared because his computer would say, you have failed, failed because he failed the driving test. My right. computer tells me that. I know. How do you take the driving <laughs> test on a computer? Uh, I don't know. It's like a classroom. It's really weird. I, uh, so it was like the written exam. Yes. He, he's not a, He's not actually getting his license. He's getting his permit. Yes. But uh, but his dad lets him take the car around the block, and he hits on the hot girl, and yep, that's all that matters when you're 16 and is getting that license. Does he then get like caught and in trouble, and then like, or there's a vampire? What is the plot beyond, hey, I stole the car for Sh- 20 minutes to go hit on Shenanigans. <laughs> so it's just shenanigans. Yeah. It's that's the, that's like the plot. It, it, the plot is that okay. restaurant with all the shit on the wall. That Shenanigans? Sounds, that sounds better than Here. Ernest Scares Stupid. Here, let, Ernest Saves let, let me tell you. Uh, so the tagline is, some guys get all the brakes. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, oh, is brakes spelled like the car brakes? Yes. Fuck you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Teenager Les Anderson thinks his life can't go any worse after he flunks his driver's Les, Les Anderson. <laughs> but he's wrong. Even though he didn't receive his license, Les refuses to break his date with cool Mercedes Lane. Les also drives symmetrically <sighs> everywhere he goes. And his, his girlfriend is named after his prize luxury car for the occasion. Unfortunately, Mercedes sneaks some booze along and passes out drunk. And a confused Les makes the bad decision in enlisting his rebel friend, Dean, for help. For help doing what? Do they have to hide a body? No. They... To get... To get the attention of Mercedes, man. Yeah, Pay so attention. She brought the she brought the booze. And yeah, she's she, drunk. She blacked out. And so they go from place to place. So it's like we get at Bernie's with a drunk chick, basically. Oh, why didn't you just say that? That's terrible. Oh my god! Please write an article in the way they do for slash film, where it's just like, like, like the underrated classic, License to Drive. We get at Bernie's with a drunk chick. I'll put classic in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very subjective. That's pretty good. I like it. Uh, it's it's just. One of those movies when I was a kid I loved. I'm going to not see that movie. Done. I might rewatch this now. <laughs> Brad? See it. <laughs> Number nine? I made an awesome Wes Anderson joke, and you guys totally just I talked over it. it. Oh, <laughs> sorry. But he's also no, reading fine, the plot. Which what was it? Less huh? Anderson. Wes Anderson. 
No, the no. the thing that Les Anderson drives symmetrically everywhere he goes. Uh, yeah. Ah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Anyway, uh, so my number nine is a great movie to watch if you want to fall into a deep depression and feel bad about your life forever. Sweet. I'm yeah. sold. <laughs> my number nine is Grave of the Fireflies. And hush falls over the podcast. Yeah, it's about uh, I think uh, post World War II Japan, and um, an infant dies. So there you go. Oh no! Oh, spoiler! Oh, at the beginning or at the end? uh, Towards the end. So there's like this. uh, I I haven't seen it in a long time because it's really depressing. Yeah. Um, But it's anime. It's an anime, and uh, there's these two brothers. Um, I, I think they're brothers, uh, but oh, their parents brothers. are dead, and so. But the the older brother is only like ten or eleven, and he has to take care of this infant himself in you know war torn Japan, and it's just hardship after hardship until his and brother then, dies, and then he fucks up and the baby dies. And I can't remember if like the kid gets poisoned from some fallout or if it's starvation. I think it's starvation. Oh. Um, so it's a slow death, but it's pretty oh. awful. Uh, wow! Can't yeah. wait to watch that one. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna not watch this movie. Yeah, the studio gonna execs are going it. like, so like, does this movie get, ever get happy at any point? And this writer's like, well, it's a slow death. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the credits roll. <laughs> yep, slightly well, better than Land Before Time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, applaud him for taking a risk. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, as a drama, it's pretty. Nice? Oh yeah, yeah. And my overall, like the the mood of the like, it's a good movie. Uh, it's just hard to watch. Gotcha. Yeah, like Schindler's List, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like you it's love not it, you pull but... off on Saturday because <laughs> yeah. like I need something to do. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. yeah. I feel like watching Nazis kill people for about three hours. Mm. See, what you need to do is you need to do a double feature. You need to watch Schindler's List and watch Munich, and then feel better about yourself. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> In the opening, you seen the Saving Private Ryan. Alamo should, oh. do, Alamo should do that double feature. That is a great trilogy. <laughs> oh. That'd be brutal, but until you get to Munich, you're like, yes, kill them all. <laughs> oh. yeah. James? Uh, my number nine is a terrible film. Uh, my number nine is Chappie. Uh, sorry, my number nine is Short Circuit 2. Some say he's nuts. To the moon, Alice! 
Some say he's both. Muchas gracias. But everyone agrees he's America's most electric leading man. Lucy and home. He's... The all-new Johnny Five. Just look at these items. Increased memory, 500 megabytes online. I come with a utility pack. Dozens of gadgets for outdoor living. Lots of green pea stickers and even my own Nike swoosh. Now he's back and haywired for laughs in his newest motion picture adventure, Short Circuit 2. Winners all the time. Keep your eye on the red card. Red card, get away with me. Can't you bother me? So keep your eye on the current thing this December. Short Circuit 2. This December on video cassette. That came out this year? It did. Short Circuit 2 is <laughs> terrible. Um, I like now, how you're getting I, all the things like, I, if I hadn't rewatched it, it would have been on my list. Yes. <laughs> like, I loved it as a kid. Yeah. I know it's awful. And I know it's awful because as a kid, I knew the first one was better, and the first one is difficult to watch now. <laughs> so, <is> <laughs> <laughs> uh, and not because of the inherent racism. Oh, I thought or, it was Fisher um, Stevens playing an Indian. Yeah, Fisher Stevens playing an Indian uh, with the worst accent. That's not what's terrible about it. It's just that that movie's not that great anymore. I would watch it. It's fine. Should I, think I ever I still have would kids? Watch it over the I would, first one. Yeah, I would show the first one to some kids, mine or someone else's. <laughs> uh, but like. Yeah, the second one is literally the same as the film Chappie, where he gets abducted by criminals and they like teach him bad ways, and it's a lot of like, what if we make the robot say hip hop phrases? Um, and then there's there's more like robots and more fighting, um, and there's more Fisher Stevens as an Asian as an Indian man. Um, it's not as good as the first one. Uh, but uh, yeah, but slightly better than Ernest Saves Christmas. Um, <laughs> and again, I loved it as a kid, uh, and I, I can hear my mom going like, "That's a great movie," but it's not. It's it's a bad it's a bad movie. Um, so yeah, don't see Short Circuit Two. Yep, Zach. <laughs> um, so my number nine is um, uh, I think the second uh, film that I saw in this series of films. And um, it's it's not my favorite in the grouping whatsoever, but I think it's better than most. My number nine is Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Ten years ago, on the night of October 31st, a small Midwestern town fell victim to an escaped killer. Under the cover of darkness, he carried out the most horrifying mass murder on record. Sixteen people in cold blood. Ever since that night, no one has forgotten his name. And Halloween has never been the same. Now, Michael Myers has come home. He has returned for one more night of unholy terror. here to kill that little girl and anybody who gets in his way. Oh, God. Who's going to be next? Ah! Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. Maybe nobody knows how to stop him. 
Sometimes I think people do things just so they can sweep my legs. Like, <laughs> I, I want to see what you put above this because it's all shit. No, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the thing that I find fascinating is it's that good in God spite of you, it. Michael. In spite of it being what I learned later is that I guess it was made made and shot was shot really quick and released really quick during a writer's strike. Mm-hmm. So they so whatever draft they had, that's all they could go with. The commentary on the screen factory is really good. Yeah, and so if you don't know, it is it's ten years after the events of Halloween's one and two. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is uh, Laurie Strode is dead. But her daughter survives, um, and her daughter is adopted by a foster parents. And Michael wakes up from a coma and escapes an ambulance by beating the ambulance people to death and flipping that fucking ambul- mm-hmm. ambulance and uh, goes back to Haddonfield to uh, track down his niece. But uh, Dr. Loomis, the ever-lovable Donald Pleasance, is on his trail. Um, and he, in this movie, is insane as fuck. Uh, this is the beginning of what I call a two-parter called Insane Holy Shit Doctor, where he just, like, he goes off the rails in five, but this is the beginning of it. This is the origins of where he starts shaking children. It's really weird. Um, but there's really great kills in this uh, one. Um, the one that freaked me out the most, because this used to play on the AMC I guess they still play it. Yeah. The AMC Halloween marathon and whatnot. Mm. Um, but my favorite one was the shotgun one where he just shoves it right through uh, <laughs> his fucking like. And then there is also um, the stuff in the ambulance is fucking like it's great special effects work. Um, I think that the ending to this film is really cool. It just sucks that it's never paid off ever yeah. as we go on. Um, because the, and and. I guess I can spoil the ending. It's been thirty years. Um, it, it like it at some point the evil has transferred into um, Lori's daughter, and she becomes the new Michael and stabs her stepmom with a pair of scissors. And she stands at the top of the stairs as Doctor Loomis is coming up, and Doctor Loomis sees this kid who's just murdered her stepmom, and goes, "No, no, <laughs> no." Um, and you see this creepy kid in a clown mask holding up a bloody scissors and it's, it's terrifying, um, when you're young. But, uh, again, like the reason it's this low is because I, I don't like it as much as other, um, Halloween sequels that I've seen. Um, but it's one of the better ones. Cause like if we were doing 80, if we're doing 89 next year, I don't even know if five would be on my list i'd have to think really hard about it it's a pretty hard film to watch um and then six is just i gave it an honorable mention when you guys did 95 just because that's when donald pleasance died um so but yeah um halloween four and actually if you listen to the movie crypt dwight little the guy who directed it did an interview with them and it's a really interesting interview where he discusses how he got that job so michael myers is possessed by an evil is that the story it's they like well they haven't established from... Thorn at this point. No, um, that's, the fuck that's, is that's, Thorn. Well, you, when Zach says evil transfer to her, it's just it's she, implied. She that, all she just she goes just, she goes crazy yeah. and kills her yeah, parents. It's, the way it, that he it's did. implied. Yeah, it's not okay. like Jason not goes like, to hell evil going through. No, people. yeah, it's, it's oh, not okay. like you see anything. It's like the only thing that would implicate anything remotely that way is that she touches his hand. Because I thought the the thing I didn't was, get that from her, her touching his the hand thing at all. that was creepy about Halloween. I thought was always just like, oh, this kid goes crazy and murders his family. Yeah, no, I mean that's how I interpret it. Zach interprets it a different way. Well, okay. I'm going off of what they might have been trying to do with with going forward. But again, sure, 
I, I like your guys' version way better because it's okay. just like um, yeah. yeah. I'll talk about it a little later, but it's my it's my favorite Halloween sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really uh, Zach, it's really well made. Uh, the only I guess the only issue I have with it is Michael Myers' mask changes throughout it. Yeah, because they had problems with it. But um, <laughs> well, that's another great moment in the film when she's costume shopping and then she sees Michael in the costume shop. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but it's it's an illusion, but it's still it's like a, it's, it's a creepy moment in well, daylight. It's well done. Huh. If you could do horror in daylight, I think you've like done something really good. So, hmm. yep. Cool. Uh, my number nine is is a horror film. Uh, I like this director a lot. He's done very well in the horror genre. Um, this is more of a sci fi blend too, and it kind of gave birth to the um, smart ass talking hero guy. Uh, my number nine is a John Carpenter classic, They Live. What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blind us to the truth! Take a look. They are safe. As long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are or where they came from, but we gotta stop them. Stay away from me. Put these on. They have us. Look at them. They're everywhere. Our owner. We have no other choice. I don't like this one. Leave it alone, man. Ain't none of my business. Ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control! You're sending some kind of signals on TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletale. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! But I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick. And I'm all out of bubblegum. good movie it is i have uh, i you you might assume that i was forced to put this higher on my list <laughs> oh it actually shows up on other people's list oh hell yeah yeah uh, i think you swept someone's it, leg over here it, good it, it has one of the greatest fight scenes on film oh yeah it's just it's just a cool movie you know and it i mean it's uh, has so many great one-liners that duke nukem yeah. uses them later on in video games oh yeah uh, you know, it's I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, but I'm all out of bubble gum. I love that that's a standard. It has so many great liners that Duke Nukem. Well, what I'm saying the is the pinnacle it, of great one. It, it's permeated into pop culture no, so I, much. I know that, you're right. Uh, but it's uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper is <sighs> the lead in it. His oh, only so good. lead. Is he's he, in that frog one? You no, know, he's yeah. in other movies, but <laughs> yeah. is he the lead in it? I don't. I don't know. He might, oh. that might be his only. Oh yeah, it. that frog one. I know this is certainly yeah. the most prolific. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> goes to Frogtown. Frank Freddie goes to Frogtown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it takes a little bit to for the movie to get going, but once it gets going, it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I just like it because it's way over the top. Uh, yeah. If you don't know, it's about these uh, aliens, I guess. Yeah, um, they're, they're aliens. Yeah, that uh, come to Earth and only. Rowdy Roddy Piper can see him through his special sunglasses he gets because he's a homeless construction man, mm-hmm. which is an important part. Yes, like, there's a way to read the movie in which he's just an insane homeless guy. If you, exactly. Yeah. Um, if you re-edit it, yeah, murdering people. 
Uh, it's pretty, yeah. And it's great if you if you get the Scream Factory Collector's Edition. Carpenter talks about that it's just a response to the Reaganism at the time, yeah, where it's consumerism, uh, you know, obey propaganda, propaganda. And mm-hmm. I, I remember I had to t- tell you the the sticker on it. Yeah. Well, uh, so I peeled it off mm-hmm. and then watched the movie because I so I bought the the uh, Collector's Edition from Scream Factory, having never seen it before, um, but was like, well, this is a good opportunity. Got it in. And it had this sticker on the outside, which I peeled off thinking, like, why is this? Why did you put another sticker on, like, the cardboard box thing? Like, I don't want this. I peeled it off, but was like, well, this is cool, though. I don't know why. This is, it doesn't make sense, but, you know, whatever. Then watched the movie. Then realized the sticker was just a white sticker that said buy on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. And then, of course, stuck it back <laughs> yes. on. Because uh, I'd, I'd carefully peeled it off. Because I thought the sticker was cool, but I didn't want stickers on my fucking Blu-rays. Like, come on. Yeah. Um. So yeah, what is this Jumanji? I, I would, I would definitely uh, seek out the collector's edition. I think you get it for like fourteen bucks now. Oh, um, man, or it's maybe, good. Or maybe I think that, they brought the regular version down because they have a steel book of it. Yeah, or no. they already do. Or they only have it limited because it's hard. Make sure if you want it though, a Scream Factory. They they only have licenses for so long. Yeah. So make sure you get them. Uh, unless they, uh, every once in a while they're able to re up the license. So I have like Life Force, the unrated version, which they had to stop making. And then they just got it again, and they're doing a new 4K transfer for it. So wow, a 4K yeah, transfer I, of Life Force. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so keep yeah. it on. Yeah, so uh, they live. That's cool. Is, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Um, yep. John Carpenter, really John good Carpenter. director. Uh, we might be yep. talking about him again later. Probably. <laughs> Brad, uh, my number eight is thirty minutes of a good movie and with an hour of imaginative production design. Uh, my number eight is Beetlejuice. From the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Adam and Barbara are... Ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah, you don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Now, the party's over. You want somebody out of the house? I want to get somebody out of your house. (laughs) But the fun has just begun. It's showtime. Learn to throw your voice, fool your friends, fun and party. Not bad. amazing. Want a cigarette? Oh, no, thank you. Oh, yeah, here I come, baby. He's guaranteed to put some life attention, King Workshoppers, in your afterlife. Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Somebody had to put nice it on there. Wait, pick. <laughs> when me and Brad were talking about this earlier this week, we said, so we can just do just the Beetlejuice part of this. <laughs> um, and we were talking about how... Because Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice is brilliant. I mean, mm. it, it's a brilliant character, but too He's bad you have to in the movie. Yeah, yeah. slog through the rest of the movie. Mm. I mean, and, and two, I'd, I'd say most people remember this film for the uh, Harry Belafonte part. Yeah. yeah. You know... Uh, Dick Cavett gets captured by demons. Yeah, <laughs> and, and a, a lot of times with 
Tim Burton movies, the imagery is so much better than the movie. Yeah. Because he, he lives off the hot topic, like imagery. So um, that's the part of Hot Topic. I think Hot Topic lives off of the Tim Burton Probably. imagery. Yeah, but yeah, the other way around, yeah. But yeah, no, uh, I, I do like Michael Keaton. Yeah. I, I love this film, but I don't love it as much as I probably did maybe 10 years ago. It's, interesting. It's, it's grown out of favor with me. When you watch it, you realize that Beetlejuice is the bad guy in it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's it's strange, but and like, but I like the idea of Baldwin and Davis's characters. It's just like, yeah. I don't know, like there's something's a little weird about it, especially when your movie's called Beetlejuice and he's only in it for 15 minutes. But this is one that like we didn't really watch when I was a kid, um, and then by the time I saw it, I was like. Yeah, like I think I think by the time I saw it, I was already burned out on Tim Burton stuff because I had seen everything else. And so by the time I saw Beetlejuice, I was like, "Yeah, okay, this is fine." You know, um, I, I, th- I think Beetlejuice Two is one of those movies that's more fondly remembered than it actually is. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but again, if you get what, when I watch the film, and I don't think Beetlejuice shows up until forty-five minutes into it. You're watching it, and you're going, oh, man, this is all right. And then he shows up, and you kind of get excited watching the film again. Yeah. But then he goes away, and then he comes back, and then it's the finale. Um, Cartoon show was okay. Yeah. I feel like the music of the movie is more a star than well, anything. Yeah. Obviously, that Harley Fonte, but Danny Elfman's score for that oh. movie is yeah. really good. Like, I remember that theme. Yeah. I and mean, it's the template for every Tim Burton score and Danny Elfman score ever. If he's only working with Tim Burton. Mm, you know. be scary. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Seen The Exorcist 300 times. And it keeps getting funnier every single time I say it. <laughs> Not to mention talking to a dead guy. Die. What do you think? Think I'm qualified. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, why don't you just put, instead of the trailer, why don't you just put that scene in? Because that'd be way better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 30 years of Beetlejuice. Oh, I'm next. Um, do you have anything to add, Brad? <laughs> I think you guys covered it for me. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, my number eight is The Land Before Time. Oh. Yeah. Our first repeat. Yep. Um, it It's fine. It's, it's a fine. movie that came out this year. It's fine. <laughs> I liked it a lot when I was a kid. It's fine. That's it. All right. <laughs> Fast Film Explosion. Zach. Right wait, wait. We got Zach, so we'll be here a while. Yeah. Go ahead, Zach. He'll make up the What's time. What's your number eight? Number eight. Uh, my number eight is a Clint Eastwood film um, called Bird. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for the man of the century. Charlie Parker's in town. Jazz will never be the same. All right, what do you think about Yard Bird? I'm sorry. But if you and me got together... Three months suspended sentence. Is it possible that you could put me in jail and then reinstate my cabaret card, sir? I think you would benefit from the state asylum and from shock treatment. We're talking about a very special creative man. You know, there's no law that says I have to mess up. They don't talk about you when you're dead, Bert. More than they do now. It's time to save your life, Bird. 
This is the year I'm supposed to die. I will dizzy everything. I love you. The bird of time has but a little way to flutter. Charlie Yardbird Parker, a man who knew no boundaries. Bird, produced and directed by Clint Eastwood. And everyone goes, Bird. Huh? Bird, Bird is, is um, a Clint Eastwood-directed film that he does not star in, starring Forrest Whitaker as Charlie Parker Bird, uh, Charlie Bird Parker, who uh, was a jazz saxophonist in um, the early days of jazz, and um, one of the best. One of the one of the reasons why, because there's, a, I mean, there's some other stuff obviously above it because it's at number eight, but this film. I think it feels like because I've been doing this Clint Eastwood thing on and off for the past two two and a half years, and I feel like after watching Bird again very recently for the last article I did, um, this feels like the the movie Clint's wanted to make for a long time, and that like that's kind of really cool in a way, um, and because he loves music, he's a big music appreciation nut, and he really loves jazz. He actually contributed to Martin Scorsese presents the the blues um he did a jazz section on it so hmm. it's um and it, it the movie is kind of episodic it doesn't have um like a, a like a a real like beginning middle what? end structure like it kind of moves between <laughs> moments of his life it sounded like that's where you were going was it doesn't really have a plot which is what you're saying but like but that kind of works for this film because yeah. of just the the person we're focusing on um, it it almost improvs like 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 some great jazz. It's kind of improvised. There you go. Yeah, and it's got a free flowing rhythm to it. And uh, Forrest Whitaker's great in this film. Mm. Like he's he's fucking fantastic. Um, and it's shot beautifully. Like it really kind of like I've always said like Clint is really good at shooting in the dark in a way that like most people try to Was do. Was he good at dancing can't. in the dark? No, he was never good at dancing in the dark. I don't know how to do that, Brian. How about the pale moonlight? Is he good at dancing in the pale moonlight? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't refer to Batman. I was the original Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Clint would say, I'm sure. Cause he's it doesn't really sure. sound like Clint, but I, okay. I, I'm doing my best. Um, you well, should have him down pat how many of his movies you've watched. See, you know, the other thing is is that like th- it was between this or the last Dirty Harry movie, The Deadpool, and while I enjoy that film, I could never put it on a list because <laughs> it's, it's, it's where Dirty Harry's like – out of the like bursting out of the home for one more adventure kind of thing like, <laughs> he looks tired <laughs> um like the only reason he looks as good as he does in unforgiven is because he's like got some pep in him because he's like i'm gonna get a western again i would not say he looks good in unforgiven well, that's you know part what? of the point okay if you were to compare him to one into, into this in the deadpool it's like there's a clear difference in enthusiasm i should sure. say like energy but yeah sure. bird um great film um Cool. I th- it wasn't my first Forrest Whitaker film like that. Like I would like. They'd be go- pretty young in this. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, like because like I saw this years ago for the first time, and then like rewatched it for this one. But like I think it was this and the Last King of Scotland were among those like beginning for Forrest Whitaker in my head. So. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, go check out Bird. Man. Bird. All right. Uh, my number eight. I guess I'll keep the serious tone of this podcast. I, you know, they hardly ever show up on my list. Serious movies, <laughs> and I realize as I go through and uh, look at my letterbox, I'm like, man, I just don't put serious movies in my list. Uh, I don't know why. I guess I just I like more silly things. Speaking of silly, my number eight is The Naked Gun. Oh. Files from Police Squad. <laughs> in this city, there's crime on every street, but one man has seen enough. 
He's Lieutenant Frank Drebin. Whatever scum did this, not one man on this force will rest for one minute until he's behind bars. Now let's grab a bite to eat. He's a good cop who's having a bad day. His best friend... Oh, everyone should have a friend like you. ...is in a coma. As soon as Nordberg is better, he's welcome back at police squad. But I wouldn't wait until the last minute to fill out those organ donor cards. His girlfriend... ...asked him to look her up. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Let me help you with that. And his city is in the hands of a master criminal with a sinister plan. I must kill the queen. How can any police story contain this much action? This much romance? I like cops. Or this much baseball? Starring Leslie Nielsen, a cop who's always on the alert. Mikhail Gorbachev. I knew it. Queen Elizabeth, everyone's favorite queen. Priscilla Presley, a woman who really cooks. How hot and wet do you like it? Ricardo Montalban. Frank. You're both right. George Kennedy, the partner with an appetite for danger. O.J. Simpson, as you've never seen him before. And Reggie Jackson in his first dramatic role. In a movie so big, it had to be filmed in color. The Naked Gun, from the files of Police Squad. See you then. I fucking love these kind of movies. Uh, I love the spoof movies from about about 88 to 93 mm-hmm. where they were really clever. I mean, my most favorite spoof, spoof movie is Hot Shots Part 2, followed really closely by uh, Loaded Weapon 1. Uh, but I, I absolutely adore The Naked Gun. I think it's silly. Um I always, when I was a kid, I always loved when he stabbed the lionfish with a pin mm-hmm. and then he throws it back in the aquarium. Stupid stuff like that. Uh, and I love the character of Frank Drebin. It's always amazing that to me that they took a character from, or took a, took a, took the, the, the tone of a show that didn't do well on television and then turned it into this hugely successful series of franchise. Films. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, there's three of them. Like the Zucker's talked about it on Gilbert Godfrey's podcast. Like, or His one what? of them. He, 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 they interviewed him and they talked about it like they that like they didn't think that this would even work mm-hmm. like but so like it's and that's not good and and also like <laughs> I can't, I always forget every time I watch it and then sure enough it he pops up OJ Simpson yeah yeah it's uh it's pre, tough pre pre stabbing yeah uh, <laughs> no <laughs> it's tough because he is pretty goofy in that as uh, his partner and it's tough to watch because uh, that like, part uh, is a little weird because. OJ is not a good person. Um, even if he didn't commit those murders, he still does right. a lot of shady things. I would still disagree with your lifestyle if you had not committed the murders, but still put out a book saying if I did it. Right. Still don't like you very yeah. much. Exactly. Uh, maybe don't produce the don't produce a show called Juiced. You know, maybe uh, maybe that's in bad form. Um, just saying. But Leslie Nielsen too. Again, like coming off of airplane to this and whatnot, and just like building a comedy career out of. 
a, a oh, straight yeah. man career like for oh, years. Oh yeah, and you know? I, I know uh, James isn't a big fan of my favorite Leslie Nielsen is Forbidden Planet, but I uh, not Mr. Magoo. Nope, <laughs> not Dracula. Nope. I love Den Loving. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the most faithful adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like, by uh, default. <laughs> yeah. But no, I love these movies. I always love how... I, I love goofy movies. I, I love the subtleness of jokes sometimes in them. Um, some are really over the top, but what I always say, my favorite joke in any of these movies is from Hot Shots. And um, Charlie Sheen is reading a book, and the guy sits down next to him. He says, what are you reading? And he says, Great Expectations. He says, is it any good? And he says, it's not all I hoped for. <laughs> like, I love throwaway lines like that because yeah. um, it means they're clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the naked gun. And he has to save the Queen of England in this. Yes. Yep. Cool. <laughs> it's a great film. <laughs> it's I think really it's on fun. Prime now. A- well, you should watch it. Yeah. You can get it on Blu-ray with an okay HD transfer. <laughs> it's Paramount, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep. Brad? Seven? Yeah, you know, I was thinking back to Zach's thing. You know how they've titled some superhero movies like The Wolverine and they're going to do The Batman? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just looking forward to the next generation of superhero fans when they're looking up uh, movies of their heroes and there's going to be The Deadpool <laughs> listed in 1988. And like, oh, wow, they made a Deadpool before the Ryan Reynolds one? And yeah. I'd be really disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is Deadpool old decrepit? Why does he have a 44 yeah, why Magnum? Is, why does Clint Eastwood always seem old? You know what I mean? Like I even think he his, was born old. I know. Yeah, I think he's got. Well, that's the same thing with uh, Leslie Nielsen. He always had that silver hair. Yeah, you yeah. Know? He, even Clint had like. Well, I think he, Clint had <sighs> like brown hair, but it also he also kind of like got that mole on his face. I, I, I attribute it to the mole. I think the only time when Leslie Nielsen didn't have the silver hair was when the movies were black and white, so it <laughs> didn't matter. <laughs> uh, but anyway, my number seven is an uh, a movie I watched first on the sci-fi channel like saturday morning um it's uh Mm. demon city shinjuku i shall create hell on earth an anime oh okay uh, about this guy and this girl navigating an apocalyptic blade runnery type city cool and just escaping de- demons for like an hour and a half is it violent yeah oh, i love the violent animes it's animated so they can get away with like you know yeah. awesome. monstery stuff shredding people that's why i love ninja scroll yeah so cool. yeah it's it's got a good aesthetic to it and nice yeah it's cool to watch it's it, uh I every year I have like a Halloween playlist and mm-hmm. it usually makes it on there. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Is it yeah. scary, or it's just like a adventure sci-fi romp? I wouldn't call it a romp, but <laughs> well, you know what I mean. 
a romp like Blade Runner, you know. Yeah, no, it's just it's 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 dark and you know, I wouldn't say like oh that's terrifying. It's more like oh that's a cool like creature design. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the mood is yeah, just a downer. Sure, yeah. cool. Do that's any a, babies die? I remember. Okay. Probably. <laughs> we'll just say they did off screen. <laughs> Someone's drawing it off screen. Whenever a building collapses, <laughs> yeah. no yeah. baby is in there. That, that building was full of babies. <laughs> yeah, it it's the maternity ward of the hospital. <laughs> the, the city does seem pretty uh, like empty. So yeah, a lot of babies got eaten. Wow, by demons. By demons. Baby eater. Yeah. Now I want you cool. to recut the trailer for Blade Runner to make it like a summer comedy. Yeah, <laughs> a fun sci-fi adventure romp <laughs> this summer. <laughs> What happens when androids try to mingle with real folk? <laughs> Uh-oh, his fingers are broken. Harrison Ford is the Blade Runner. <laughs> that is a cool name. Cool. Yeah. Like, Do oh, androids dream of electric sheep? <laughs> 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 Find out in Blade Runner. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number seven, another repeat, because <laughs> uh, my number seven is They Live. Nice. Yeah. Um which is, uh, yeah. I might watch that tonight. You kind of got to know what you're getting into. Um, like, I think I don't have my copy right now because my parents still have it. Nice. Because uh, I don't, I think they've had it for like a year. Um, Do you think it's something your parents will enjoy? I think they will. No. No? I, I mean, they might. I think they'll think it's interesting and I think they'll find some parts of it funny. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I it, It's it's tough. That it, You kind of got to know what you're in for on yeah. that one. You know, like, oh, there's a whole bunch of weird skeleton aliens and... <laughs> Some homeless guys are going to fight, and it's going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> With just sound effects. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's such a good... Long, protracted Such a fight. good brawl, you know? Um, yeah. Um, number seven. It's great. Love it. Um, My number seven... Oh, no, Zach. Zach, right? Oh, yeah, sorry. Zach. No, that's okay. Um, my number seven is going to take us all the way to the country of Zamunda. My number seven is coming to America. Once upon a time, in a faraway kingdom, lived a handsome prince. He was attended by devoted servants. Do you think perhaps just once I might use the bathroom by myself? Most amusing, sir. And engaged by royal decree. Why? Why can't I find my own wife? We've gone to a great deal of trouble to select for you a very fine wife. I want a woman that's going to arouse my intellect as well as my loins. Where will you find such a woman? In America. So he traveled across the sea to the land of opportunity. Which is where the fairy tale ends and our story begins. Behold, Simi, life, real life, and seeing that we have been denied for far too long. We're in New York now. Let us dress as New Yorkers. I feel like a complete idiot. Have either of you ever had any fast food work experience before? Certainly not. This will be our first job in the United States. I am Akeem. Nice to meet you, Akeem. I have recently been placed in charge of garbage. That's good to know. Oh, my goodness! It is you! Greetings, Your Highness! Who was that? Eddie Murphy. Just the man I met in the restroom. Arsidio Hall. Ah! 
in a comedy fable of royal romance. When I look at these contestants for the Miss Black Awareness pageant, I feel good. Apparently, these are the best women Queens has to offer. Pick one and let's go home. I want to tear you apart. And your friend, too. Coming to America. Sir, I was wondering, did you happen to catch the professional football contest on television last night? No, I didn't. Oh, it was most exhilarating. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. And in the end, the Giants triumphed by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. It was a most ripping victory. Son, yes. you want to keep working here. Stay off the drugs. Yes, Yep. Wanda forever. <laughs> um I I think this might be my favorite favorite Eddie Murphy movie mm. of all time and it's just because it's the one that because like I I watched Nutty Professors and all that stuff first and then my dad showed me this one and I've never not wanted and to watch it. And then you go, "Oh, so Eddie often. Murphy used to be funny." <laughs> <laughs> I like the Nutty Professor movies. We might talk about them sometime. Um but uh like so, this one though, like if you don't know the story, if like if you've been living under a rock for thirty years, and it's um it's about a young prince who goes to America to find a name T'Challa, yeah, no, not T'Challa, <laughs> Akeem, and he goes sorry T'Chaka, <laughs> um, but so he goes to America to find his future wife. It's kind of like it, it, it's a it's a fairy tale essentially. It's a fairy tale set in the set in um Africa and then the United States. Um, I I also find the story of how they got this film made just as fascinating as as the movie itself. Like the way John Landis and Eddie Murphy like got this movie made and like got it moving forward and the reasons that Landis did it. Um, yeah, Eddie Murphy came up to him and he pitched the story, and Landis says, "I will make heads roll if this film isn't made." <laughs> Is that a reference to? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That part of his life. Um, That's terrible. No, but like he 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 pointed out. How many days you get a decapitation joke in? Yeah. Oh, dude, kids died. It's awful. Yeah. What's well, I can't stop thinking about how different Black Panther would be if Eddie Murphy now played T'Challa's dad. Oh my goodness. Oh, that movie that would have gotten off awesome. on the wrong foot. <laughs> or James Earl Jones. He would have only been in Civil War, though, at that point. Oh, well, no, I guess no, no, the, no, no, no. the sequence is yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the young, young, uh, what, what's T'Challa's dad's name? T'Chaka. T'Chaka, yeah, yeah. Um, young T'Chaka. Eddie Murphy. T'Challa. <laughs> T'Challa. Everywhere the light shines is your kingdom. <laughs> 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 um... But no, yeah, I, I love it. Arsenio Hall is really funny in it too. Like, I forgot that he plays multiple characters too. It's not just Eddie yeah. Murphy. Like, and Arsenio's—I I mean, he, it's funny. Like when he rebooted his show, I had fun watching it. Yeah. Like, because I never got to see the, the the original Dog Pound. I got to see the new Dog Pound, um, and it's fine. You know, like it's he that that movie holds up really well. Like much more than I think some films from the '80s sometimes do. Because like yeah. it's not predicated on its style so much as the story that's happening around it, um, and it's an early Sam Jackson movie. He's the guy who holds up the restaurant. Hmm. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. That's a good one. And he used that money to buy a wallet. 
No, pulp. that's a Pulp Fiction joke. Yeah, yeah anybody? No, it said I, badass I, motherfucker on it. I, I was there. No, I I was with you. Reach yeah. in there, pull out that wallet. Bad motherfucker on it. I'm really trying, Ringo. <laughs> Ryan, what's your number seven? Uh, my number seven is another favorite from being a kid, um, because it's it's a fantasy movie. So as a kid, you always wanted to live out this fantasy of working for a toy company. Uh, my number seven is big. For Josh Baskin, life was a little unfair. Until he made a little wish. I wish I were big. Twentieth Century Fox presents Tom Hanks. Big. I turned into a grown-up, Mom. I made this wish on a machine, and it turned me into a grown-up. So now what? You get a job. Cannot get a job. I play with all of this stuff, and then I tell them what I think. Can they pay you for that? Suckers! Vice President. He's only been here a week. See that girl over there in the red? Short upper legs around you so tight you'll be begging for mercy. Well, I'll stay away from her then. I loved your ideas on the squeezy doll line. Thanks. What were you like when you were younger? Go ah! well, I wasn't much different. It's your Who are you? I'm his girlfriend. I want to spend the night with you. Do you mean sleep over? Yeah. Okay. But I get to be on top. What is so special about Baskin? He's a grown-up. How do I feel about what? How do you, how do you feel about me? You're only young once. This is important! I'm your best friend. What's more important than that, huh? But for Josh... I miss my family, Susan, and I want to go home. Oh, my God! God, you're married. It just might last a lifetime. You'll never forget Tom Hanks. It's Beluga. In big. I love this movie. Um, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, it shows up later on your list. <laughs> I can see the disappointment on you. Um, but no, I, I Tom Hanks is great in it. You know, when I, I I still love the scene where he goes to the dinner party and he's trying all the food and he's eating the baby corn, like yeah. a corn on cob. Mm-hmm. Um, and even he's because he's a kid. It's just so well played. Yeah. You know, he doesn't understand this woman's hitting on him. He doesn't understand anything that's going on. And if if I was a kid and I had my own apartment in New York, I would I would furnish it with a trampoline and a yeah. pinball machine and bunk beds and so good. It's yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, um, Penny Marshall. He and he right. does such a great job of playing that. Like Tom Hanks is so good in that movie, being a kid but like dealing with these more mature things coming up. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, why would he turn into a building? That sounds so lame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good. And, you know, that, that joke, you know, you get your paycheck and what you do with it. Uh, you know, it's even played on The Simpsons with Milhouse and Bart when they get 20 bucks and they have all that money. Like, what are they going to do with all that money? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. It's fun. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And he gets to fondle some women's boobs, you know. <laughs> it's it's a film that I, my dad tried to show me when I was like six or seven, and I wasn't super into it, but then I rewatched it when I was ten and loved the fuck out of it. Yeah. So it's... It's like one that had to grow on me, you know. Yeah, it's one that you can you can be too young to watch that. Movie. And then who yeah. doesn't love the piano scene? Oh, yeah, still great. It's a light bulb. It's a light bulb and a foam ball. And that's my number seven. Cool, Brad. Brad. Uh, my number uh six. Six. Right, six. Yeah, is a number seven. My number Ooh. seven is Friday the Thirteenth: The New Blood. This is the one you've been waiting for. What's happening to me? Your psychokinesis and these delusions are... No, you're not listening to me! The one you've been asking for. Hey, Tina, isn't this the way they wear their jackets back in the mental hospital? Concentrate. Concentrate, Tina! The one you've been dying for. You people give me the creeps. Okay, you big hunk of a man, come and get me! Jason Ah! is back. This time, someone is waiting. Oh, this shows up way later on my list. Yeah, um, I figured. That's fine. You know, I, I was telling Brad, I always struggle with this one because the direction's not very good in it and the story's not that great, but the Jason is really cool in it, so I really like it because so which, Jason looks cool. Which one is this one? The girl has psychic powers. So it's basically it's Jason versus Carrie. I didn't Bernie know from this Weekend at Bernie's is the psychiatrist. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Cruz. Yeah, screwing the family over. Yeah, so he's the real bad guy in it. Profiting off of her powers. Is, yep. this, is this before the porn in the boat or after the porn in the boat? After. After, uh, after the porn, before, before the, the boat. boat. Okay. Oh, before the boat. I guess, yeah, I guess I, I don't remember hearing about this one before. Okay, so he's fighting like a, he's fighting Carrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, she's trying to that deal with her powers. The, uh, like she's having flashbacks of her dad dying in Crystal Camp Crystal Lake. And uh, he's his plan is to like turn her story into a book, mm-hmm. I think. Make a ton of money. Basically, off of it. exploit her. And his idea is, hey, let's take you to the lake so you can deal with your you know, your issues there. And of course, you know, yeah. Jason's around. Well, she mistakes her. So she has psychic powers, so she mistakes Jason's corpse in the lake. That's her dad. So she accidentally wakes him up. Does it turn out that Jason either is her dad or is her brother? No, the ending is really stupid. Where her oh. dad comes back and drags Jason to the bottom of the lake. Oh, what? Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but Jason looks really cool in it. I thought for sure you were going to find out, like, oh, she's his sister. No, it's uh, what's cool is uh, John Carl Beekler decided that he was going to make a Jason that had all the damage from the previous films in it. So he has, you know, his jaws exposed and he his, like, hands are all rotted. Uh, and, doesn't his mask, like, get ripped off, like, yeah. to the back of his head and then his, like, monster face? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's not a great director because all the kills are really telegraphed. Um, he's a good special effects. Oh, yeah. Though. Special effects. Yeah. He's great. But as a director, you're going, hmm. 
not quite building the tension here when you show Jason walking towards killing somebody. Uh, but it's a cool movie, and it, orig- the original story behind it is they're trying to make Freddy versus Jason, and it never they couldn't decide because you know obviously Paramount wanted to control the film, New Line wanted to control the film, and they could never come to an agreement, so they decided to have him fight someone with psychic abilities. And um, yeah, is, is this is the one I believe huh. where they butchered a real shit ton of it? I oh they, yeah, like there's like they. The, the documentary Camp Crystal Lake Memories shows um, f- the video monitor footage of it. Yeah, that's all it, they have. Yeah. Because Paramount didn't care about Friday the 13th, so... They just disposed of it. If you, like, yeah, if you read Peter Brackey's book, he talks about that sometimes finding Friday the 13th stuff is really hard because they're just like, yeah, who cares? Yeah, whereas we, like, probably easier to find Nightmare on Elm Street stuff because exactly. that's all the company had. So. That New Line cares. Um, yeah. So yeah, no. That's a good one. Does he spend a lot of the movie with just a big monster face? No, it comes. It gets ripped off. Like the mask comes apart and like slides behind his head at the end. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it's probably a good like fifteen minutes though. Oh, okay, yeah. like the last kind of fight with him. Yeah, I mean it's definitely longer than most Friday Thirteens without a mask. Well, I remember like the girls using her telekinetic powers and she tears the mask off his face. Yeah. like yeah. In, yeah. The, in the finale, and it also has a Guinness Book of World Record in it. Did you know that? Really? Longest single take of a dude being on fire. <laughs> Kane Hodder. Wow. This is Kane's first. It's Kane's Hodder's first one. Wow. Wow. We're getting that Kane Hodder documentary this year. I'm excited for it. Yeah, it should be good. That's cool. Sorry, I'm just looking at photos. That's why I asked. There are a lot of photos of him without a mask on, which is what I wanted because I wanted to know what that looks like. It's actually pretty amazing to think how, like, that's the beginning of, like, a a cultural impact with Kane Hodder playing that character. Like, like, I'm not, I mean, you know me. I'm the Michael fan, not the Jason fan, but I will easily concede any day of the week that Kane Hodder is like among the best monster actors ever in history. Well, what I always said is he actually makes Jason mean mm-hmm. or a lot of them. It's just a stunt guy performing. And that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I There's, mean, I think the guy who's in number four was, did a really good job. Yeah. It's a motivation, but yeah, him. but yeah. I mean, he's has a purpose behind his movements. Yeah. What, what does Jason do? Kellen? He gets people. How does he, he get them? <laughs> Oh, he walks around. Yeah, and what is does he does he give them hugs or does he chop their heads off? Chop their heads off. <laughs> and what happens after? Uh, is Jason scary? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the audiobook version of Crystal Lake Memories read by Kellen. <laughs> what does he, he walks do? Around. He walks around. <laughs> machete. Can you say machete? Does he give them hugs or chop their heads up? Chop their heads off. Kellen, don't say machete. Machete. <laughs> oh my goodness. James? That was a good one. Oh yeah, that, that's right. That was Brad's. Brad, do you have anything else to say about no, I got it? Um That covers it. My number six. Not a deep film. My apologies on this one, but I, I, I'm well aware this movie is on the list because I think it's good. It is not as close to my heart as it is, as it is for a lot of people. My number six is My Neighbor Totoro. あなたは誰? <laughs>
88? Wow. Wow. It was. Or at least according to Letterboxd, it was, which is the only source that I used for this one. So theoretically, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. What did uh, you yeah. use? Sorry? Say again? What did you use? Letterboxd. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Um, It might be next year because a lot of the... Like Akira was on the list this year. Yes. On Letterbox, but on Box Office Mojo, its oh. U.S. money was eighty nine. Yeah, so, so the, it could be that like eighty eight is when it was released in, in Japan, Japan. Yeah. But then it was released in America in eighty nine. Still released in a theater yeah. on this planet. Still counts. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Yeah. I, I didn't see it that year because I was three months old. Right. Um. So yeah. I. Yeah. We're gonna keep moving forward and say it was eighty eight. <laughs> um. You were three months old going. What? We Whoa, take me to Totoro. We don't. We don't need to worry about me accidentally putting Akira on the list because it's Akira. Um, my neighbor Totoro is uh, is adorable, and it's one. It's one that I saw later. Like I had already seen a bunch of other uh, Studio Ghibli films before I finally got around to Totoro. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the thing that's interesting is that unlike some of the later films, like this one, just it meanders sounds like a it's shitty an extremely kind film yeah it's it's just pleasant mm-hmm. it's just a very pleasant film to watch the plot is not necessarily what's driving it it's just a lot of fun stuff no one's parents are being turned into pigs yeah like it's not you know there's not a there's not a young woman who's been who's an old lady and you gotta turn her back like there's there's not a lot driving it forward other than just here's a bunch of pleasant stuff in a row um I'd equate I think it's it with beautiful pa- I'd equate it to a degree with Ponyo Sure. Uh, in yeah. terms of like, it's just it's likability. Yeah. Factor. Um, you know. And I think you know, you see a lot of Totoros around, and so maybe I'm misconstruing, but like, I know it's a movie that a lot of people really love. It's one that I watch and go, "This is a f- great." I mean, it's a really good little film. Um, but the the five things above it for me are either better or just things I loved more as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, anyway, my name is Totoro. Sweet. Zach, my number six is from James's favorite director. Just kidding. Oh, good. It's Martin Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ. says he brings us a startling vision an extraordinary story the last temptation of Christ
So, I don't like Bible movies. I really don't. They're my least favorite genre of all time. Really? Um, except for Bible epics. That's a difference. Um, just, okay. Um, but this cool. film. <laughs> figure out, tell, t- explain to me the difference between. A Bible uh, movie and a Bible epic. Uh, well, Bible epic has Charlton Heston oh, moving okay. the Red Sea. And okay. Edward really? G. Ro- and Edward G. Robinson going, where's your Messiah now? So oh, if The Passion saying- of the Christ had Charlton Heston and Edward G. Robinson, you'd actually enjoy that movie? I would say best movie ever. <laughs> <Okay>. No. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Different. Different gotcha. time, different era. Last Temptation of Christ, though, is while it's based on Bible characters, is not based on the Bible. It is based on a book, a right. very controversial book, yeah. that Martin Scorsese had tried to get made into a movie for years and ran into so many financing and studio problems. And when he finally got it made, of course, he ran into the final conquest, which is the church. Um, church groups tried to ban it, um, do the things that they always try to do and fail at because. <laughs> Um, and this movie was released, and it's an amazing film. Um, it's the story of – it's essentially like it's it, it's an alternative-ish take on the story of Jesus. What tempts him? That's – so the, the, the temptation of Christ ultimately is that he doesn't have to die for our sins and that he can go off and live a normal life. And the film's like controversy – moments are really within the last 30 minutes of the film when he follows through on the temptation. Um, but the rest the, the majority of the film leading up to that is going through Jesus. Essentially, like if we were to see Jesus as a human being, he would have the same, like he would have like, because he's a man and also the son of God, he can be beholden to the same things that a man feels, which is like anger, regret, shame, yeah. stuff like that. And so it, that take on Jesus, instead of him just being this benevolent, here's some bread, is like he, he's in the desert and he like – I can't remember the exact moment, but he's walking through the desert alone and he comes back and he's cut off a serpent's head and he goes, I used to believe in love and now I believe in this. And it's Willem Dafoe as Jesus holding up a sword hey, and it's amazing. Hey, you, you remember The Last Temptation of Christ? <laughs> I've seen the film. I think my favorite is when Chris Farley is interviewing Martin Scorsese about it. Um, and uh, so, but this is like, it's an incredibly well-made, thoughtful film that I don't think when we think Scorsese, we think Goodfellas, we think Raging Bull, we think, we think him with De Niro on yeah, yeah, I think Hugo, but go on. You do? Oh, good. That's a, that's a, that's a very nice film that I enjoy. Um, uh, yeah, all all of the things you've listed, I go. Yeah, so it's see, not great. So this is the thing. Like, it's a okay. it, it's a film that it's one of three films that when you say Scorsese, you're not going to name off the top of your head. The other two being Kundun and Silence. Because um, I don't think Silence is a great film. It is, and that's why I think you'd like Tempta- Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, I need to see it. Um, it's um, but and it's and it's got Harvey Keitel as Judas, Barbara Hershey as Mary Magdalene. Um, so it's a whole slew of seventies and eighties people. Yeah, just conversing into one area. Um, and it's and it's beautifully shot. <laughs> it's kind of like the opposite of Passion of the Christ, where you cast it with a bunch of people that you already know, mm-hmm. so that you like it. Just sounds like I'm gonna watch the movie and be like, this is. Super Hollywood doing Jesus, but see the th- but since they're doing like a more like a, a much yeah. different take on it, it's right. it doesn't feel as weird. Yeah, it's so it's, it's weird just because- funny to say like, oh, yo, Harvey Keitel as Judas. <laughs> like it's this sound this it sounds like a robot chicken sketch. Like uh, Jesus, anyway. are you gonna clean this mess up? Yeah, I'm the wolf. You gotta get in there and get up the brains and the skull. 
I just want him in front of the cross. <laughs> yeah. Right. Aww. Um, but, um, but no, so like, and, and Willem Dafoe, like, he disappears in that role. Like, I know it's when he's young, but even when I'm watching that film, I'm like, I forget it's Willem Dafoe. It's before he was ugly. He looks more like Jesus. Now. <laughs> you mean older? <laughs> sure. <laughs> before he became Max Shrek. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, Last Temptation of Christ. Scorsese's underrated masterpiece ish thing. Hmm. Is it underrated? I don't. I don't know a lot of people who like talk about it anymore. That's because uh, everybody talks about his overrated movies more. <laughs> so it's true. Like I mean, well, like without that condescension, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> more people talk about Goodfellas than they ever talk about. If I tell the Last Temptation of Christ to a film student right now, they're gonna be like, "No, Scorsese didn't do that." And I'll be like, "Read a book." <laughs> yeah, <Anyway>. son. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to ramble. Go on. You did, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, it's your number yeah. six, right? Uh, mine number six deals with what happens when a serial killer gets involved in voodoo. Uh, my number six is Child's Play. Everyone has a birthday they'll always remember. Can we open my presents now, mommy? A good guy. I know it. Hi, <laughs> I'm Chucky. He's something, isn't he? This. Is Andy's. Time for bed, Andy. Good night, baby. Good night, Aunt Maggie. Good night, Chucky. Everyone knows most accidents happen at home. How did that happen? This is no accident. Andy! I'm Detective Mike Norris. Homicide. Andy! Miss Peterson's dead in this fireplace. She fell from the kitchen window. Someone's moved in with the Barclay family. And so has terror. Mommy, I know who is on the counter. Andy! Who, Andy? Chucky. Nobody believes you about Chucky. About child's play. Uh, I wanted to get this on my list. <laughs> child's play tells the story of uh, a serial killer who is named Charles Lee Ray, and he is being hunted by the police at the beginning of the film, and he goes into the good guy's factory, or is it just a toy store? I think it's just a toy it's store. It's just like an F.A.O. Schwartz. Yeah, or whatever, so yeah. he goes in a toy store, and the cops shoot him. And on his dying breath, he transfers his soul into a Chucky doll. And um, I'm a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Hi, my name's Chucky. Want to play? <laughs> um, and then he terrorizes his family, and his whole goal is he wants to live again. So he's trying to transfer his soul from Chucky into this little boy named Andy. And then he kills people along the way. Uh, you, we were talking about it when we did Curse of Chucky, but... I always forget when I watch the film when the scene when he takes him to like his old haunts and whatnot, mm-hmm. 
and it's this this small kid, this adorable kid holding a doll, walking through junky and hobo land. Yeah, like it's and it's and like and I know there's a responsible crew behind the camera, but at the same time, I was just like, don't let that kid walk or wander into Hoboville. <laughs> uh, yeah, it has a lot of great moments in it. Um, the '80s too were around the time when they started giving serial killers or slasher guys personalities. You know, the f- most famous obviously being Freddy Krueger, and in this, you. you Chucky's played so well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe my one of my most famous uh, favorite parts in any movie is when the mom, who is really uh, chewing up scenery, trying to is trying to get Chucky to say something, and he's just saying like, "I'm your friend to the end." And she and so she picks him up, and she's like shaking him really violently, says, "Say something, you little fucker," or whatever she says. And, and then there's like a pause. Then there's a pause, and then he like turns, he's like, "I'll kill you, you fucking bitch!" <laughs> and uh, it's really funny. Um, Did she throw him right away? Yeah, like, ah! yeah, she throws him into the fire or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a goofy movie, but it's still fun. I, I like, I love these kind of movies. I love when they're just yeah. silly horror films. Yeah. I think my my scariest moment in that film probably is actually just watching the actual Chucky cartoon on the TV. Like they're trying to sell the good guy dolls. I'm like that's scarier than the doll. <laughs> <laughs> and you know they they play up the humor really well. There's a really funny scene where Chucky's in an elevator. And this couple are looking at him, and she says, ooh, what a horrible doll. And she gets off the elevator, and Chucky says, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Um, so, uh, yep, child's play. Classic. Cool. It's, a fun, it's a fun flick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, you know, throws babysitter out of the window. I think that's the first scene where he comes alive. Yeah, and then, like, it, but it's all from the first camera perspective. Yeah. So it's, they're what? trying to play that game of like, is it Andy? <laughs> I, I always laugh too. And I, I know it's wrong, but do you ever listen to Dave Attell talk about his midget buddy, baby shoes? <laughs> so in the early child's play, they would always show baby shoes running <laughs> for Chucky. And I just always think about <laughs> my midget buddy, baby shoes. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> child's play. Brad, number five. I don't know. Do you have any treats? I don't know that I do. Go ahead, Brett. (laughs) Me and baby shoes. We do everything together (laughs) except seesaw because I wouldn't be fair to him. (laughs) Uh, My number five is a movie about uh, one of America's greatest patriots. Uh, He single-handedly takes on the Russian army. My number five is Rambo Part 3. This mission's important, John. I want you to come with me to help me lead the team. What do you say, John? Uh, put in my time. What's that mean? It means my war's over. He never draws first blood. He only fights back. The first time was for himself. The second time was for his country. This time... Rambo! Something went wrong. It's for his friend. Trumpin was a good man, and I'm really very sorry. You're just leaving him? What do you expect us to do? Send in a Delta team? Create an international incident? What about me? By the way you look, I can see you have no experience in war. Do you? Fired a few shots. But if you're captured, we'll deny any participation or even knowledge of your existence. Sounds familiar. You'll find out. I know he's your friend. (laughs) But you cannot do this. You both will die. For what? Because you do it for me. 
Kingsman is. God! Oh, God, we have mercy. He wants Who are you? Your worst nightmare. Stallone. Rambo 3. I'm sorry I got you into this, John. He kills a lot of people in this movie. Yep. <laughs> All by himself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, story straightforward. Uh, Rambo gets called into Afghanistan to uh, rescue. <laughs> help the Afghans. Is he, He's rescuing. Um, what's his his uh, commander? What's his name? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, no. I forget. Yeah. Oh, it's Richard Krenna's character. Yeah. He personally gets. That, I'm getting confused because Krenna calls him in to rescue the POWs in this in the in previous the, movie. Yeah. In, in but he Rainbow. himself gets captured on. Like he's on some secret yeah. mission. And so, yeah. Uh, someone else convinces him. He, like, Rambo never wants to do anything. Uh, <laughs> but since, since Richard Krenna is captured, he's like, okay, I'll go to Afghanistan this time. And yeah, he single handedly, single handedly fights the Russians. I, I love how the first Rambo is a real movie that deals with PTSD. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's beautifully yeah. like shot. Based on a book. On that. Yeah. And yeah. then, oh, yeah. And then two. Rambo 2, it's like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Action, action, action. Uh, and there's a there's one sweet kill where uh, like the the main like badass Russian guy gets uh, hung like in a cave. Yep. Um, and snaps his neck. I love the Rambo movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still pretty badass. but John Rambo's awesome. Or um, Rambo. It's just Rambo. Yeah. Actually, uh, that's not true. He does recruit like Afghanistan's uh, yeah. Afghan Afghanistan Annies. Afghans. Afghanis. Afghanistan Annies. No. Office joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, to help him. So they're all like on horseback fighting these Russian tanks and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And then <laughs> he commandeers a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's insane. Ah, uh, there is no treats, buddy. Sorry. That's my number five. I was, cool. I'm always fascinated by Richard Crenna being in those movies because I'm like, you were a like snazzly nosed teenager on a radio show in the '50s, and you're now you're doing movies with Stallone. Weird, for me anyway. My yeah. number five is the story of Australia's uh, greatest <laughs> patriot. <laughs> Awful. Uh, my number five is Crocodile Dundee two. Boo. The world's favorite adventurer is back for more. Mick! Yeah? You're back! Yeah? You're back! Yes, what? I missed you! I know. The drinks are on the house! (laughs) More action! More excitement! Don't try to stop me. I don't want to stop you, I just want to get past. I'm about to throw myself off this building. Uh, would you mind getting a move on? I'm, I'm on my lunch break. More fun. <laughs> now, mate. What did he say? He wants to know if we're allowed to eat these men. Mm. And more of everything. What's he like in bed? I don't know. He still sleeps on the floor. Paul Hogan is Michael J. Crocodile Dundee. 
Sarge. I might have known it would be you. It's this New York fist, Sarge. It won't take a bite. <laughs> Crocodile Dundee 2. Vanity uh, yeah. Project 2. What? I said Vanity Project 2. Uh, <laughs> I love Crocodile Dundee 2. I still think it's fun. Um, I adored the Crocodile Dundee movies when I was a kid, so that's a big part of why it's here. Um, and the second one is like, you know, the first one is like this silly romantic comedy. The second one has like some action scenes in it, and he throws a snake at a guy. Um, <laughs> the second one, he takes her to Australia, right? Yeah, so the okay. second one is... That like an ex-boyfriend of hers um, is like taking photos and he takes photos of some drug deals going down because there's like Colombians moving drugs into Australia or something. I don't know. Um, and uh, and so he that guy gets like caught and I think killed at the beginning. And then but he sends like some evidence to them and she gets kidnapped and he res- he as uh, he along with st- New York street gangs <laughs> helps to break her out of this house and then to keep her safe he takes her to Australia um and so they go to Australia and then the Colombian gangs follow them to Australia and try to track him down um uh, and they have to survive and he has to do things like capture snakes and run through the woods at night and throw the snakes at dudes um because he won't allow violence in his movies right um and he stands on a rock and swings a thing around to attract snakes he also does things that don't involve snakes um the yeah he gets he gets the 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 one bad guy to shoot the other bad guy at the end um and then he puts on that guy's clothes real fast and then everybody thinks he died in a Indiana Jones oops the tra- the tank went off a cliff style ending um like yeah it's fun it is it holds up way better than short circuit 2 um i will say that it is it is so good that cracking out Dundee lost in LA is very disappointing you know that Paul Hogan is listening to this podcast right now and going finally someone gets it oh no he's listening to the podcast going See, there needs to be a fourth one. I swear, I need to do a fourth one. You hear these four nerds here? Yeah, they like it. One, one well, of at least these. One's very vocal about this it. This means twenty-five percent <laughs> of the population would like a fourth Crocodile Dundee movie. This is a podcast. This is a podcast. Uh, Crocodile Dundee <laughs> does podcasts. <laughs> Listen, mate, mate, fly me to Denver, put me on that podcast. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, they should also make that Dundee movie with Danny D- Danny Bread. That would have been great. I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Him and Chris so. Hemsworth team up. I'm down. Oh, Margot yeah. Robbie, so good. Love me some Margot Russell Robbie. Russell Crowe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But whenever you hear someone um, talk about a sequel to Crocodile Dundee, just think shit. <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a a reference to um, the Big Short. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep, love it. Anyway. Crocodile Dundee 2. Pretty good. Zach? Number five? Yeah. Five. My number five. Um, what do a British lawyer, uh, an American vixen, a dumb weapons expert, and a stuttering fish lover have in common? They're all chasing a bag of diamonds in a movie called A Fish Called Wanda. Otto is a man of many talents. Hey, great fish. 
A little squeeze of lemon, some tartar sauce. Ken Walker is a man of few words. You tell him from me. George is the man with the plan. Thirteen millions, my friends. And wonder. Do you speak Italian? Molto pericoloso. Is the woman they love. They all set out to commit the perfect crime. To twenty million. To a job well done. But it turned into something. George moved the loot. Less than perfect. Disappointed. So they turned to a lawyer named Archie Leach. Leach. George is going to tell him what the diamonds are. With Wanda as the bait. I want you to make love with me. Pop. Nothing. Nothing. He's really hooked. I thought you weren't jealous. I'm not. I don't believe in jealousy. It's for the weak. Come a girl as bright as you, girl, brother. So don't call me stupid. <laughs> I'm really, really sorry. I apologize unreservedly. Are you totally deranged? You're afraid to, old chap. John, please. Will you leave immediately, please? Jamie Lee Curtis. Kiss me there. Kevin Clyde. Put the other one up. Michael Palin. May I kiss you, Ken? No, can you come? A fish called Wanda. <laughs> A smashing. Oh dear. Comedy. This film is I, I had a I, I, I love Monty Python and I love so therefore I love John Cleese, Michael Palin, Eric Idle, all those guys. So like anything they were involved in in high school I was like super into. And a fish called Wanda was among my favorites that was non Python related. Mm. Um it's a script by John Cleese. It stars John Cleese and Michael Palin, um along with uh Jamie Lee Curtis um and um Kevin Klein. And it's it's this amazingly well-crafted, bumbling idiot movie um, about a, a, a lawyer who's representing a guy who's pulled off a diamond heist with a bunch of other uh, people play, played by Curtis and Klein and Palin. Mm-hmm. And um, the the whole like goal in the film is to try to find out where this guy hid the diamonds so that they can just go off with it. So everyone's backstabbing each other. All while the lawyer is kind of like the, the like innocent pawn who's just trying to figure out how to make his life more exciting. So then he gets hit on by Jamie Lee Curtis, gets punched in the face by Kevin Klein, and then has to save Michael Palin. Like it's 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 really like a fun little like state of affairs throughout this entire film. It's really well written. Um, it's funny as fuck. Kevin Klein earned his supporting actor Oscar for this film, and well deserved because hmm. he's he's kind of like. Uh, he's 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 a guy. He's a pseudo. He's a pseudo intellectual, who's really good at weapons, but couldn't lie his way out of a paper bag, um, in any situation whatsoever. And um, the only way he can make Jamie Lee Curtis want to have sex with him is by speaking fake Italian. It's really really funny and really weird. Um, and uh, one of the like Kevin Klein is great in the film, and he deserves his award and whatnot. But I'd argue that one of the best subplots of this film is that Michael Palin's character has to kill a witness who witnessed the robbery and she's a dog owner and Palin's character is a stuttering man who really loves animals. And so it's, he does, he's trying to kill the owner and in the process ends up one at a time murdering all three of her dogs. And each time he kills a dog, he feels absolutely horrible about it. (laughs) And it's just like, there's this look in his face of like, that is a wonderful performance. Like Mm. Palin is underrated in this movie and i think the only reason he doesn't get the same notice as klein from us as americans is one we don't know him anything outside of python and two it's it it's 
you see the dynamic between him and Cleese in one scene, and you think, oh, it's just a Monty Python movie. Mm-hmm. So it gets kind of like shoved into a weird corner for that for some reason. Um, but I love it. I think it's a fantastic film. Arrow just put out a great Blu-ray set that I um, didn't realize existed until we were making our list this week. Yeah. And I ordered it, so I hopefully it's coming this week because I'm going to rewatch it. Cool. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is one of those that I mentioned before we recorded where I said like – I think you'd love it. Uh, I, I I think I've probably seen it, but it was like so long ago and maybe even on TV where it's like it barely counts. Yeah. Like, yeah, I should just order a copy and, yeah. and watch it because I'm sure I'm sure it deserves to be on my list above Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and and like uh, and, and like Jamie Lee Curtis is wonderful in the film, too. She's really, really good. Like, I, I mean, I mean, trading places and this are like two are her big 80 staples. And then mm-hmm. like you get the 90s with True Lies and. Everything else she does within that realm, and this is she's she's really good. She's I'm yeah. glad that she was able to get out of the scream queen phase, even though she was really good at that. You know, you want to move on. And yeah, she she proves that she can do anything she wants to. Yeah, but she's gonna be Laurie Strode again this year, and I'm excited. So anyway, cool. Thanks for that rambling, Zach. <laughs> You're welcome, Ryan. <laughs> uh, my number five is a repeat. It's a Halloween for the return of Michael Myers. Oh wow, that high? Yeah. I oh always- yeah, I guess you. I, I I've always uh, liked this one. I always um, I'm I'm one of those people that actually I don't think Halloween three is that great. Even though there's a contingency of people that believe because it's so different that it makes it special. Um, while it does have some cool makeup effects, uh, I Halloween three is whatever for me. Um, it's it's its own thing. I yeah, think. <laughs> but uh, it's it's cool to see Michael Myers come back. I think it's I think it is kind of a scary f- movie. He's treated seriously. Um, the character uh, Jamie is played really well by uh, Daniel Harris. Daniel Harris, yeah. and yeah, the ending's really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it's a transfer of like uh, the evil essence. I just think it's she, goes she, she just goes crazy. Yeah, uh, and I, I think this movie is tainted because it's immediately followed by Halloween Five, mm-hmm. where it, Halloween Five is really not well as well made, and it deals with a lot of goofy theories where if they just played it as a straight movie where Michael dies and uh, Jamie kind of takes over for Michael, I thought it would have been a cool um, continuance of the story, but it's weird. Cause it has elements in place where even if it didn't move into Jamie Lloyd, like the fact that she's like in shock in a hospital and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And Dr. Loomis is trying is like this desperate at this point to where he's trying to extract information. Like those are interesting elements, but killing off her sister in five, and then bringing in Tina, the most annoying person on the planet. Yeah. It's just like, it just undermines stuff. And then there's weird score cues where the cops are walking around and you hear, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so fucking weird. It's it's not well done. Yeah. Um, but four is, is a really well done slasher film. Yeah. And, you know, it's always fun when they treat the the killer a little more seriously. Mm, yeah. Uh, and he is, he's, he's scary. And then number five, they add all the goofy voodoo. Yeah. And four is kind of like a walking nightmare, like a, wa- yeah. a walking warning in a weird way. Yeah. Like, and, cause he doesn't really show up until like halfway through before that. It's either he's under bandages or he's just an image in Jamie's head. Yeah. And, and you know, it's cool seeing Donald Pleasant trying to track him down and basically telling everybody else, are you stupid? You know where he's going. Um, this is the film that made me think he's a badass. Yeah, and then the next God one, you, Michael. then the next one happens, and I'm like, he's just a crazy old man. Yep. So yeah, Halloween Four: the Return of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Brad, cool. Four. Uh, my number four obviously needs to be on my list. It's a uh, story of another war veteran, 
true story, I don't know, but uh, my number four is Bloodsport. For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite. Open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's super agent, Frank Dukes, can be revealed. Uncle Sam can't afford to let you get hurt. I'm going to Hong Kong. Frank is going to fight in the Kumite, and we're here to stop him. An awesome human weapon. There's me just looking at it. Who infiltrates the Chinese underworld. I did not come this far to stop now. Take him. To enter a forbidden competition. Couldn't you just get me in? Strict rules. No press. You're telling me you never break rules? Where every fighting style... Worthy opponent, every deadly technique, clash in savage combat. Time to separate the men from the boys. And only one will triumph. Now I will break you. International martial arts sensation Jean Claude Van Damme in Blood Sport, the true story of the ultimate champion. to present to you the first canon mention button of the day. <laughs> I got that for you. Why are you that to me? <laughs> giving, it, giving it to you symbolically. Here, okay. I'm actually going to keep it. Thanks for reminding just, me you have it. I'm just glad that canon finally entered the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> canon film, top five <laughs> of a top ten list. And the only thing that happens is when like, you watch the canon film documentary. Yeah. Golan and Globus are like, we'll take it. <laughs> but we're dead. Uh, One of them's dead. So Bloodsport. Yeah, Bloodsport is the story of Frank Dukes. Yeah, Frank Duck. Ducks, Dukes. Um, he Frank Ducks. Uh, is a American uh, lieutenant, something like that. I thought he was like secret, like not Secret Service, but what's the what's called a Green Beret or something? Secret like Ops, that? yeah, Green Beret, something like that. I forget. Special uh, Ops. Special yeah, Ops, there we yeah. Go. Um, is, is supposedly uh, an amazing martial artist went like undefeated or whatever, um, and. In this uh, underground martial arts, like illegal fighting ring Ooh. in, I don't know, Taiwan, Thailand. I don't know. I already forget. But it's called the Kumite, folks. Kumite. It's the Kumite. It's this legal thing. And so this, the Kumite. CIA, I think, is after him because uh, he wants to fight. But they're like, hey. By the CIA, do you just mean those two CIA guys? <laughs> no, no. It's it's the entire United States Army. But okay, uh, cool. he wants to fight in it to uh, um, honor his adopted dad, I guess. D- master? master? Yeah. Like, um. His master's actual son died early on, and so he kind of became the de facto son. Mm-hmm. And then uh, his that dad dies, and he's like, "Well, I got to go fight the Kumite to honor to honor him." Kumite. Um, and uh, the army's like, "Well, you're enlisted. You're not going to do that." And he's like, "Well, I'm going to just trick this guy and sneak out of the shower when he's not <laughs> looking." And uh, so he goes AWOL. Oops, the, the soap. Zoop. And then Forrest Whitaker and then some other dude try to track him down while he's doing this Kumite thing. And, uh, which leads to one of the best chase sequences ever put to film. Yeah, which is uh, on YouTube. There's a Mentos commercial <laughs> parody of it. <laughs> it's freaking brilliant. 
and uh yeah so he tries to fight in the kumite and then he makes friends with this one dude who gets uh almost killed by bolo mm-hmm. i think is his name um he's this cocky guy who's won most of the kumites and he thinks he's un- un- like unbeatable but then frank duke shows up and you know that his, his supremacy comes into question um and so it's just like fight after fight of jean-claude van damme doing awesome splits and high <laughs> kicks and um doing awesome splits. other crazy fighters in all their different fighting styles just getting bloody on the mat and uh yeah and towards the end uh at, in the last match the cia I, cia guys actually just show up and watch it because <laughs> they're like well i guess you know it took us this long to catch him let's, let's let him fight and then we'll take him back and court martial him yeah uh, but yeah, I, I, at the end they do like a little credit scroll of like his actual life and yeah, so this is like undefeated and, um, holds a ton of records for so martial weird, arts. So weird to think Forrest Whitaker was in a Canon movie and a Clint Eastwood movie this year. One very big and one was Bloodsport. It's almost like he's just getting a start in Hollywood. Here's some Bloodsport trivia people might not know. The original idea for Mortal Kombat was called Kumite. What is it called? Kumite. Kumite. And Johnny Cage is based off Jean-Claude Van Damme in that. If you see uh, play Mortal Kombat 1, he has the black shorts and the red scarf on him. And they originally were going to get Jean-Claude Van Damme to be in it. It was going to be called like Van Damme or Kumite. And Street Fighter. <laughs> but then Van Damme ended up doing Street Fighter. Street Fighter. It's true. He ended yeah. up doing Street Fighter. So that's why the Johnny Cage character is based off Van Damme and he looks like him. Nice. There's yep. There's some blood sport trivia for you. I would have put inspired this, Mortal Kombat. I would have put this on my list, but for only if not the memory of us going to watch it, because that was I like the memory of us hanging out and watching it um, at the I Alamo. Totally that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, that no, no, that, no remi- like refresh. That's very for everyone you, else. Zach. I didn't what? remember it. No, <laughs> two and a half years ago at the Alamo, they like rescreened it, and it was yeah, just the, it was the most fun I'd had at an Alamo screening. Was just watching Kumite. everyone. Yeah, Kumite. <laughs> People interacted with that film, and it was fun. So mm. yeah, yeah, but yeah, no. Cool. Thanks. James? Uh, yeah, my number four and and all of the movies left on my list, as far as I'm concerned, are... Ones you actually care about? Great, great <laughs> films. Um, yeah, and, and I would I would almost say any of the four that are left, I could have just seen as number one, um, which I use as an, ex- as an apology when I say that my number four is Die Hard. We thank you one and all and wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. <laughs> But a team of terrorists. You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Who said we were terrorists? Have their own holiday plans. And I'm telling you, you just got to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. But the one thing they didn't plan on was New York cop John McClane. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... And you'll have it! They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, do I sound like I'm ordered to pizza? Come to Papa, honey. Are you really an American? Only if New Jersey counts. What does he think he's doing? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so if I didn't do it, he or if he didn't yeah. do it, I was gonna do it. Uh, Die Hard tells the story of a great American hero. <laughs> great. He's uh, kind of just there. He goes out on the coast. He's gonna have a it's good time. It's a year for yeah. great Americans. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's fucking Die Hard. Yeah, like this movie's amazing. Just changed um, a lot of games. Yeah, and it's cool. It's funny to see how far the franchise went from what I would consider to be the thing that defines it, which is like, it's one guy against all ads. Yeah. And it's really hard for him to be successful. And by the time you get to the later films, like I, superhuman. yeah, I'm a big believer that the the fifth element is basically a a diehard movie. Like, cause it's the same, it's not any different from diehard four other than space. Um, but Mary Elizabeth Winstead, like the, (laughs) the believability is on the same level. Um, It's it's basically spawned a Hollywood genre of like, yeah, Die Hard in anything like Die Hard, like Air Force One is Die Hard on pl- on a plane. Yeah, um, well, a lot of those Liam uh, uh, Liam Neeson movies are basically Die Hard, die hard films of of yeah, some die kind. Die Hard on a train. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has a Die Hard on a plane. He has a different Die Hard on a plane. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Or even, I mean, even if, when you look at movies like Executive Decision and stuff like that, like they take a lot of cues from from Die Hard. Well, I think um, they literally did that, like in pitch sessions, like the executives. Oh would yeah, go, like. Like, what do you got today? And it's like, well, you know, they'd always combine two titles, but Die Hard was one that came up a lot. It's like, it's Die Hard on this or Die yeah. Hard does this. Yeah. Because it's very, it's very enticing to have that story of like, here's one guy who's alone and the cops can't really help and he's got to sneak around and slowly kill dudes. Um, yeah. It's great. Uh, oh, it's a and, cool movie. And it's, it, it has, you know, what you need. You has the one liners. You have the, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. So good. I mean, yeah, Hans Gruber is an iconic villain, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of the best, for sure. Oh, sir, thank God you're here. <laughs> I love uh, it. I love his American accent. So oh, awesome. yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, oh, I I ate this film the fuck up when I was when I was in high school. Wow. Gross. Um, the fuck up. <laughs> the fuck up. Well, and, and <laughs> what's interesting is, like, so I, I love Lethal Weapon more, but, like, I, I watched this just as much as I did Lethal yes. Weapon. I um, love Lethal Weapon more. <laughs> Die Hard is a better film, but I love Lethal Weapon more. Just because, like, the the hype was up with Live Free or Die Hard coming out um, around the first time I actually ended up watching Die Hard and all the sequels. And just, like, it was just a fun-ass time, like, watching Bruce Willis kick ass, take names and whatnot. And this is, I mean, like, who was I to know that cop-out would come out, you know? <laughs> Um, but he, I mean, Bruce Willis, like he's charming. He's doing his, he's, he's doing the average Joe thing, which is like, this is, this is like showing that this around this time is like the end of the hard body hero and the beginning of the average Joe hero, hmm. um, in, to a degree. Like, so you're getting like the Stallones and Schwarzenegger's are kind of, well, Schwarzenegger never really did, but like Stallone's kind of phasing out of this like ridiculous action. And then the ridiculous action is replaced with more average looking hero. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just just the way the trend wave moved, um, especially when you enter the '90s and you get a little bit more average-looking people doing kind of stuff and whatnot. Yeah, um, and it's 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 
it's beautifully shot. It's wonderful action. Great characters. Like, I mean, Hans Gruber's a great villain. Um, the um, I can never remember his name, but he's the dad on Family Matters. Yeah, um, uh, who plays the cop? Reginald Bell Johnson. Reginald Bell Johnson. Um, he that that the whole story about like I shot the kid. Yeah, uh, it's just it's a great it's a great character like moment that helps make the film even more engaging than it already was. Um, and um, it is eighties as fuck though. I will say it is eighties so, as fuck. So, Between so all good. the cocaine and like <laughs> the, the, the 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 just the the, the Wall Streetness, I'm just like, gosh, man, this is so fucking eighties. I still love it, but mm-hmm. it is fucking eighties. Um, and yeah, and I love um, uh, his scenes with. Uh, the the limo driver and whatnot and all the different henchmen have their own little personalities. It's fun, love it. Yep, Die Hard's good. Nakatomi Plaza, never forget. You can own a replica of Nakatomi Plaza, and it comes with a copy of the Die Hard Blu-ray. I'm pretty sure that's come out on Blu-ray eighty thousand times. Oh, yeah. it's coming out again this year. Yeah, it's yeah. coming out in four K. There was a great collection. Oh yeah, there was yeah. a oh wow, there was a great collection on before the Blu-ray came out. Obviously, when it was just DVD. And it was like the three, the first three films, and those like silver um, packages that I, I love. Five star collection, yeah, the five star collection. That's it. And I, I, I always loved the look at those. Never got it. Um, but like now they've got like the entire collection and every th- versions there of Live Free or Die Hard. I just don't want Die Hard Five. I don't like. Mm. I, I don't want. To, I don't want it to exist. I really don't. I agree with you, but I, I could, I could, uh, as as a guy who also owns like the Indiana Jones collection, and well, I'm not that that one's as bad. Well, Die Hard I, Five is well, worse. That, than the one I gave Indiana you Jones. for of Skull was no, a no, joke. No, no. <laughs> no, no. if I, I can mean, buy like, Men in Black Two, I can own a Good Day to Die Hard. <laughs> I guess that's true. I own I own the Alien collection because I love Alien that much, and I guess I'll tolerate the other films. Like I never watch the other sequels, like <laughs> ever. Um, if it doesn't have. Yeah. A complicated argument. You won't watch it. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Prometheus is not a sequel to Alien, so that doesn't count. It's a prequel, isn't it? Right. I'm just saying. Right. Like, I, I don't watch Aliens, and I don't watch oh, Alien yeah, 3, yeah, okay. and I don't watch Resurrection, because well, right most of those are bad films. Anyway. Mm. Die Hard. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Right to me. Yep. Uh, my four? Four. Yeah. My four is a repeat as well. It's uh, Friday the 13th, part seven. Oh. Um, again, it's I think it's the ultimate design of jason the movie's not that good but um it's fun because you know i've always loved the friday 13th films and the coolest looking jason's always going to hold a special part in in my viewing of friday the 13th and it will always rank up there again this isn't because it's a great film it's because i watch it a lot and i really enjoy it um yeah and like uh dr cruz is a bad guy and he's played really well now you know for a friday 13th film the acting's actually pretty strong in it all the way across. Uh, yeah. We already talked about it. He goes around killing people. Oh, yeah. That doctor that, that tries to exploit the shit out of her. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know where. There's funny parts where he gets these weapons. You know, when he kills Dr. Cruz, he kills him with a weed whacker. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he gets it. I guess there's a shed that has farm weapons in it. But I don't know how he goes back there, gets it, and then comes back and get, finds them. Well, every he... campground has a shed of just, like, maintenance yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose so. I mean, it's shot really weird that. Like, he'll be running... I mean, he dies, he's running through the woods, and all of a sudden Jason shows up. I don't know where these woods people keep on running to in this film, but they keep on running out somewhere really far from the house where they can't find him. Um, I like to think that Jason has a bag, and it's an endless bag, and he pulls out, and he just has any like item Mary Poppins? Wants. Kind um, of like, yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, but yeah, I like it. Like Mary Poppins and Poppins. murder. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Call yep. it a day, guys. we got to shut down the mics. 
Game Ooh. over. Drop them. And he has a really sweet. See, actually, my favorite death in that. Um, but a lot of people like the sleeping bag death, and that's maybe the most iconic Friday Thirteenth kill besides Kevin Bacon's. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, I, is that the movie where he like picks up the person in the sleeping bag and swings it against a tree? Yeah. Okay, I've heard about that. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but my actually favorite death in the whole movie is a little more subtle, but it's way more vicious. Is the the bitchy chick is like chewing out the final girl and the dude who makes it to the end. And she's she says like you know uh, fuck you and fuck you both and she opens the door and Jason's standing there and he just drives an axe through her head and throws her through a TV mm-hmm. or over the TV. I think it's awesome. I think that's the best kill in that uh, film. Yep, Brad number three. My number three is a bit of a twist. It's the story a of a uh, street urchin <laughs> who befriends a lovable group of New Yorkers. Aww. Uh, my number three is Oliver and Company. For over 50 years, Walt Disney has turned great stories into unforgettable animated motion pictures. Now the tradition continues as Walt Disney Pictures proudly presents a new twist on the classic story of Oliver. A pussycat? Come on, let's eat him. I love a story with food in it. Oliver, the little orphan who fell in with Fagin, the Dodger, and a gang of canine con artists out to take New York for all it's worth. It's worthless. What kind of work do we do anyway? Investment hey, banking, man. <laughs> Stop, thief! Let's get out of here. Oliver, the heroic kitten who was catapulted into a whole new world. What is the meaning of this? Ultrajet. I see you met Oliver. The little furball. Only to be rescued by his gang of friends. I just want to go back. Back where his Uncle Tito. Walt Disney Pictures presents our 27th full-length animated motion picture, featuring songs performed by Billy Joel, Huey Lewis, Ruth Pointer, and Bette Midler. Your family is cordially invited to meet our new family. Oliver, Jenny, Georgette, Tito, the Dodger. Fagin, Rita, and Sykes, the vicious villain determined to destroy Oliver. They're all together in a holiday entertainment event you'll never forget. Absolutely, absolutely. Walt Disney Pictures, Oliver and Company. Nice. I thought, I, this, I I thought this had a chance to be number one for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I knew where this was going. <laughs> um, like, this is not They Live. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a Disney movie. It's my favorite Disney movie. Um, it's got songs from Huey Lewis and Billy Joel in it, and uh, it's like this uh, black sheep of the D- Disney catalog. Yeah, it's really weird because, yeah, it's it didn't. Those, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it's one of those films where everybody says, "Oh, that, you know, I can't believe you're watching Oliver and Company," but it's it's really harmless and it's really like fun. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's like the burgeoning of combining CGI into animation hmm. uh, for film, and also like it's the film right before The Little Mermaid. So uh, I don't know how their VHS releases were, like what that department was doing at that time, but it didn't get a VHS release. Oh, wow. Uh, that's why. Yeah. That's it why it they was not one I, I ever watched as a kid. Yeah. And then they re-released um, it in 96 in theaters. That's and then it got video. a home video release. Because oh. so. that's how I first saw it was um, in well. that re-release. So you've you've convinced me. I will now get that off of the movie club the next time I have a chance. Because yeah, I don't even know that I've ever seen it. Yeah, I mean it's been on DVD and it's on Blu-ray. I have it, so it's not like hard to find now. But back oh, then yeah. it was. No, it was just. It was one that I didn't hear people talk about much, and I know as a kid we never really watched it. But now, if 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 there was never a VHS release of it, like especially I was born in '87, like we didn't go see it in '88. 
So I would have never had a chance to see it otherwise yeah. if there wasn't a video release, right? So yeah, and it's got Cheech Marin as a Chihuahua. As a Chihuahua, yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's not a perk. That's that can also be said of Beverly Hills Chihuahua. You're just bitter. So Pat <laughs> Midler's a poodle. Um, who else? There's some other famous people in it. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, it's basically just uh, the story of Oliver Twist set in New York and with dogs and, and a music. Cat. Yeah. No, it's fun. I, you know, it's one of those movies. It's not on my list, but I, I never thought it as bad as some people made it. And I, you might be right because you go from that to Little Mermaid, then to Beauty and the Beast, and then Aladdin. Maybe it kind of just got lost the in Lion the King shuffle. After that. And then the Lion King. Maybe just got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it did okay at the box office, too. So it wasn't like a complete dud. But yeah, it's just like, I guess they were so busy making those other four movies that they're like, oh, hey, we never released this <laughs> to yeah. the public. Yeah. Yeah, it was like that and and the Great Mouse Detective and a couple other ones right yeah, on that Fox era. Yeah, Fox and the Hound. Yeah, yeah, yeah that just like for whatever the well, Black we, we had Fox and the and the Hound, but there was just a, a f- couple of those that just we never had and I, I or or I would go to other people's houses and they didn't have it either. So you just never but that makes sense if they never released it. And it's also like the end of like the old men era. Yeah. Cuz like at that point they were like recycling tons of cells and Oh, gotcha. Uh, I think Fox and the Hound was the like the last one that a lot of those guys were on and then they were just like going through the motions for Great Mouse Detective and mm-hmm. Black Cauldron. Hmm. Interesting. I just imagine a young Brad going up to Michael Eisner at that time in Disney history going like Mr. Eisner, can I see Oliver and Company on video video cassette? And he just go, he takes out a Mickey Mouse hat and he just goes, "Here you go, Brad." Like that Family Guy joke. I love it. <laughs> nope, nope, <didn't> land it. <laughs> yeah. You never, you never, never. No, I do, I house. do remember. It's not oh, one that's quoted often. Funny, so, <laughs> yeah. see you at Disneyland. Bring cash. <laughs> <laughs> Bring money. You should get him a tape cool. dispenser for his next birthday. Yes. Oh yeah, be cheap. Um, James number three my number three should be my number one because it's like an amazing film and yeah my number three is Rain Man of course I'm an excellent driver that's me drive slow on the driveway because it's only 28 miles on the odometer since I drove it a week ago last Saturday it should be more than 28 miles what is this who is this guy Raymond is your brother my brother I, I don't have a brother <laughs> Did you do? Kiss Susanna. Did you enjoy kissing a woman? 
Dustin Hoffman, Tom Cruise, in a Barry Levinson film. I like having you for my brother. I'm an excellent driver. You know you have control over your own list, right? I do. I do. I'm just saying, like, it's so good. Uh, Everything, be- nothing beyond this is like a high drama. Really, like this is the best written, most important maybe film as far as like story is concerned. That's that's on the list. Um, I remember, uh, man, this is one that we watched a lot on TV when I was a kid because you, you, there's a lot of swearing. Um, but uh, but even as a kid, like I knew, like this is really good, and like you you. You love these characters, even though, like, it took me a while. I probably wasn't until I was, like, 12 or 13 that I realized that, like, Tom Cruise is a shitty person in this movie. Like, you know, I, I remember as a kid, you know, probably 10, 9 or 10, seeing it on TV and being like, oh, man, like, he just has a hard time with his brother. And then, like, you get older and you go, like, oh, no, he's a douche. Um, and that's the, that Porsche dealership? the story of the movie is he has to learn to not be a douche anymore. Um, but yeah, I, it's incredible, and Dustin Hoffman's performance is is great. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's Rain Man. It, I haven't watched seen it, it in a long time. Oh, um, yeah. If you own it, I'd like to borrow it. Actually, I don't. I don't. Own, I owned the DVD, and I've I've never replaced it. So mm. maybe um, I'll find it on Netflix tonight or something and watch yeah. it. Yeah, I'm I, sure I, I I couldn't put it on the list because I hadn't seen it in such a long time. I remember oh, yeah. it being amazing. But it's incredible. Um, yeah. Brad, did you say you've never seen it? Yep. Oh, yeah, you should check it out. I mean, it's a good... It's Like I said, it's high drama. Like, it's, you know... Um, yeah, it's got its funny and memorable parts and, and things like that. Um, but it is definitely a... Oh, yeah, it's great. Uh, it's Barry a, a bit of a tearjerker, yeah. It's Barry yeah. Levinson's claim to fame. If he, yeah. if When he goes, we'll all remember Rain Man. Cleaned yeah. up at the Oscars. Damn. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, and deserved to. I mean, it's a great film. Actor, yeah. picture, director, screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, Zach, my number three. My number three is a repeat. My number three is They Live, or sorry, John Carpenter's They. Thank live. you. <laughs> um, yeah, a um, John Carpenter joint. You know, yeah. <laughs> so we can make a Zach Eastman's They Live. Ooh. It, 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 well, this you know, movie was it, on it, when all you put on list? the glasses. You just see a bunch of smiling me's, no, and that's mine. even scarier. Oh, than was the it? Aliens. Oh, okay. Shoot, I thought it was. Um, but no, I. I mean, I've made my love of John Carpenter very clear. Multiple times. Um, multiple this, letters. Yeah, multiple <laughs> letters. Uh, this this one. Set back. This one I didn't see until college, though. Like this one took me a while to get to. Yeah. Um. And I. I and I. I don't know why. Because it's, it's weird. Well, it's not the thing. But like the, the. I feel like the artwork should have enticed me as a young one. Sure. But it didn't. I don't know why it didn't. Um. But um, this film is is pretty insane. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, like the subplot of there being a resistance group is really ancillary compared to the majority of this film, which is just Roddy Piper's fever dream desires to go through the world of consumer capitalism and just shoot it all to hell, um, because he's pissed off like everyone else. Um, that fight scene with Keith David is amazing. Like it's 
insane. We how won. long it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and like, and you know what? And I've heard John Carpenter explain why he did it. Is like it's a, it, wrestling was popular. I figured yeah. that we'd sell more money if people knew there was a long fight. We got wrestlers, so let's use them. Yeah, give me my money. Um, <laughs> it's a cool fight, though. So, yeah, uh, but and then the end, the ending's insane too. And just like it's, it's an all-out shootout on, assault yeah. on a TV station, and it's, it's, it's fucking mind-blowingly amazing to a degree. The special effects are awesome. Um, it's, it's, it's something that like it's, it's a John Carpenter film that is both among his best and among his most like. I don't know if I'd like immediately point to that movie and say John Carpenter like it it has his feel but like it's you wouldn't know it if you didn't know it going in I think it feels like more campy yeah that's but also this is uh, we're approaching the period where he's getting into that territory in his career because then after this we get um we get a lot of other stuff like that starts getting a little more campy and whatnot and then after in the mouth of madness um, he goes into the more fuck it mode with vampires and ghosts of Mars and um, oh. all that stuff. So, but this is it's 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 a great it's still a great film. I love it. Yeah. Um, I do need to get the Scream Factory version. Um, it's, it's been a while since yeah. I've seen it, so it's definitely time to set it down. Like unlike Rain Man, though, like both I hadn't really seen in a while. But unlike Rain Man, like I know I love They Live because oh, yeah. like it. That kind of like, that, that just blew my mind when I saw it in college. And I was mm-hmm. like fucking like astounded by it. That's cool. So yeah, They Live. John Carpenter's They Live. Uh, my number He'll three. I'll say it that oh, one. You done? Yeah. <laughs> still going. Just still going. He's like one of those fucking wind up toys. It st- goes, goes, and then it's oh, a little more. Oh, there it is. There's done. <laughs> uh, my number three is a repeat as well. It's a Die Hard oh. um, with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Seen I love it. The, yeah, I love this movie. It's fun. It's what eighty movies are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Zach mentioned it: cocaine, violence, <laughs> uh, a guy who's spouting off one-liners, curse Bare- words, barefoot walking on glass, barefoot walking on glass. Um, funny moments when he's in, you know, the ventilation system. Yes. Has anyone? Uh, I think about the ventilation system a lot when I remember Die Hard. Me too. <laughs> Has anyone done a YouTube video where they play Annie Lennox's Walk on Broken Glass song over the Die Hard footage? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they should. Uh, mm, I guess I know I'm doing today. Yep. You have one job to do. <laughs> and that's my number three. It's Die Hard. yippee What a coincidence. My number two is Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll just piggyback off of you and so say... Die uh, Hard is the movie we all have on our list. Yeah. I mean, okay. makes sense, right? Yeah. Who wouldn't have this on their 88 list? Right. Um, yeah, Die Hard's awesome. Spawned a whole, whole style of movies that mm-hmm. still enjoy today. And Yeah, there's, uh, you know, when I was putting this list together, I was pretty sure there's going to be two movies that's going to be on everybody's list. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, then I'm really disappointed. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so Also the best Christmas movie of all time. No. <laughs> you know, I thought that until I saw Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Right. Mm, yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is great. Also, Lethal Weapon. I, I know it's lame. Like, y'all are your hipsters and you like doing your, like, oh, Christmas is a Christmas movie where people get shot. It's so protective. 19, 1958's uh, A Christmas Carol is really fucking good. Yeah. That's a good one, too. Alistair Sands. Said no yeah. one ever. Uh, no, said everyone ever. <laughs> I'd say Scrooge, which is also from this year, but I. That's true. Um, I, I like a better version of that film in the form of a script. So, Disney's yeah. Christmas Carol. 
or Mickey's uh, Christmas Mickey's, Carol. Muppet's yeah. Christmas Carol. Mickey's is great. It's great. Yeah. I still cry any, any, every time Tiny Tim dies. Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, it's all right, but Michael Caine sings in it, so it takes a lot I know, of that, that part's bad. There are some cuts of that film where that doesn't happen. Probably my favorite cut of the film. Then. Yeah. If you watch it on TV, they don't show that part. Well, and it's Laura's favorite is Muppet's Christmas Carol, so I've seen it mm-hmm. every year now for almost 10 years. It's great. And it's, I, I, still like, I still like Rizzo the Rat. I mean, he's my yeah. favorite character in it, but. That's the part that's great about it. The part that's the worst about it is the creepy, creepy, scary baby alien ghost thing <laughs> that is the, the ghost of Christmas past. It's the worst. Are you saying you don't like creepy Muppet movie? Creepy, <laughs> creepy dead baby ghosts? No, I don't like creepy dead baby ghosts. Sorry, Brad, Die Hard? Is it the dead baby from Great for the Fireflies? <laughs> 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 Comes back in Charles Dickens. That was my number two, so I think it's your turn. Oh, cool. Uh, my number two, I, th- I think is the other movie that has to be on everyone's list. So my apology, uh, apologies. My number two is Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Taking a nap! Excuse me, Please, Raul! I can give you stars! Just drop the refrigerator in my head one more time! Roger, I dropped it on your head 23 times already! I can take it! Don't worry about me! I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about the refrigerator! This is the tale of an up-and-coming movie star named Roger Rabbit and a down-and-out private detective Stay out! named Eddie Valiant. Ooga booga! Every moment they were together ah! was a new adventure in trouble. Find me, Eddie! Please! It's a motion picture about friendship. Please, Eddie! Don't tell me how you're making a big mistake! Love. <laughs> Compassion. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears? Murder. Marvin Acme. A rabbit cacked him last night. Remember, you never saw me. Sex. I'd do anything for my husband, Mr. Valiant. Anything. And violence. <laughs> Toons gets him every time. You wouldn't have any idea where the rabbit might be? Got a thing for rabbits, huh? The whole thing stinks like yesterday's diapers. It's a comedy a little different from all the rest. I'm a pig! I'm a tomb! I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. But tell me, Eddie, is that a rabbit in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Touchstone Pictures and Steven Spielberg present a Robert Zemeckis film. We tombs may act idiotic, but we're not stupid. Who framed Roger Rabbit? is higher than that for you <laughs> um i mean you already know <laughs> yeah uh yeah i don't wait holy shit no one else said me too am i the only asshole who didn't make it their number one sounds like it mm-hmm. no way holy shit okay yeah uh then i just won't talk about it i'll let you guys talk later that's my number two zach what's your number two um before i announce my number two may i go to the bathroom no. Not working. My number two is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Gotcha. Steve Martin and Michael Caine are competitors in the Riviera's most profitable business, but with very different styles. Do you have any idea what it feels like to take a woman for 20 bucks? No, I haven't. I'm afraid it's a little out of my class. Can two con men survive in a town really made for one? Really? We find a woman set a price and the first man to extract the correct amount from her wins wish me luck 
Let the contest begin. If I lose, I'll leave. If I win, you leave. To prove once and for all who is the dirtiest, the rottenest. Do you feel this? The sleaziest. The sneakiest. The phoniest. Thank you, Your Highness. The trickiest. Don't you ever have an emotion that originates above the waist? No! The all-time champion of dirty, rotten scouts. Surely he was no match for you. I'm younger than you, better looking than you, thinner than you. Know your limitations. You are immoral. Steve Martin is the man no woman can resist. Eat your food. Excuse me. May I go to the bathroom first? Of course you may. Thank you. And Michael Caine is... Lawrence Jameson. Chips Auto. Dr. Emil Schaffhausen. And they're both dirty, rotten scoundrels. Do you want the whole world to know? Dirty, rotten scoundrels. You mustn't turn your back on them for a second. Speaking I, of Michael Caine. I don't know what just happened. I don't know either. <laughs> There's a wonderful scene where Steve Martin says, may I go to the bathroom? And he just goes to the bathroom right on a woman's dress. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Frank Oz is um, uh, not his best film. It's among his best films. Um, and stars Michael Caine as a experienced British con man who meets a uh, cocky young American con man. Um, in the south of France, and tries to train him, but he doesn't want to be trained. And instead, they decide to make a bet to see who can con a young woman first, and the winner has to, or the loser has to leave the south of France. Um, so they pick who they think is the heiress to a soap fortune. And the whole movie is a series of them trying to con this woman into giving them $50,000. And it's it's all over the place hilarious. The scenes where Michael Caine's training Steve Martin to be a superb um, uh, con artist and then him being involved in the cons as his mentally challenged brother are super funny. Um, they're both very, like, charming, convincing. Um, like, they play this, this fun game really well where they have to act one character and then act another um, in different moments. It's awesome. Um Emperor Palpatine himself, Ian McDiarmid's in this movie. He plays the butler mm. to Michael Caine's character, and it's so much fun. The twist in this movie is always a delight because it always takes me by surprise because I'm always falling under the spell of the 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 things leading up to it. So, um, and Frank Oz is really good at kind of shooting classical cinema. I think so. Um, it's nice to watch like the way he frames shots, like almost feel like a classic late forties, early fifties comedy. So, um, so yeah, that's my number two, dirty rotten scoundrels. Uh, my number two is a repeat. Uh, my number two is definitely Rayman. Cool. Poor man. You've just been repeating. I know. Day. I know. All I know. my last ones are repeats. Um, no, it's no, it's fine. Uh, no, Rayman's great. It's, it, it is really cool to see, the Tom Cruise's character grow throughout the film because the film yeah. is a pretty long film. It's about two hours and yeah, 40 it's... minutes long. Uh, but 
he learns he because he's just a, he really the I mean the real plot is he wants to open up a Porsche dealership right and he his dad's rich and he dies and he finds out that he has an illegitimate uh, child and he has to go see him at uh, some uh, it's like a hospital I guess yeah or it helps take care of him because uh, he's mentally like a, disabled. yeah like an assisted living yeah place. yeah and so he decides he's going to take him with him and it's a it's a road trip movie and you know it's. It really showcases Tom Cruise as an actor, and mm-hmm. he—he's. I think Tom Cruise. Yeah, he's known as a huge action star, and I, I think they—he's underutilized as a dramatic actor. Yeah, uh, and this movie capitalizes on it, and he's amazing. And and he did it at the height of his career. I mean, uh, beginning of the height of his career. I guess, yeah, he's, I guess he's still like flying on that same he's plateau. Ca- he kind of plateaued at the highest you can be. Yeah, he's so. still cruising on that shining star, because, Ryan. Don't you worry. He, I mean, he, his biggest movie of this year was actually Cocktail. Yeah, which is a dorky movie that's not that good. Right, but gave it, us the song Kokomo. Yeah, but it also, but I mean, Cocktail Two has its charms about it because it's a goofy '80s. I mean, who has an '80s movie about how cool it is to be a bartender? That sounds nothing but '80s. <laughs> Um, hey, we had an '80s movie about how cool it is to be a bouncer. I was just going to say, no, I know that's what I mean. It's <laughs> only in the '80s could this exist. <laughs> this decade was Man, magical. <laughs> working at bars in the '80s was cool. Well, I mean, it's fine if you work at bars. I've never ran into a bar where you know there's you know rules and there's guys who kick people's asses, the bouncers, and <laughs> people get their bears. throats ripped out, <laughs> or, or people throw drinks up and around. And yeah. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I mean, they tried to have it come back with Coyote Ugly, but. Just didn't take off. Did not work. It's funny. The uh, I'm glad you brought up the, the yeah. I mean, everybody talks about Dustin Hoffman, but Tom Cruise is uh, incredible in that movie. Yep. Um, it is really good. So yeah, Rain Man. Yep. Check it out. The Blu-ray is good. Yeah. Cool. Yep. And here we are at the end. Yes. And probably one of the shortest film explosions ever. Yep. Uh, my number one. Should we all say it together? Who, Who framed, framed Roger Big. Rabbit? So what? <laughs> Except for this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, There's just, no magic in your fucking out. heart. <laughs> my, number, my number one as well, Brad. Yep. Yep. Jack, um, you too? Yep. Yep. Probably one of the greatest movies ever made. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easily. Um, easy to overlook the technical achievements in this day and age, but if you consider oh. back then when you got to do it all in camera optically. I mean, that's the reason it's uh, it, it was as high as on, on my list, just because of how incredible that movie is to make. Yeah. Um, I mean, the... The lamp sequence when they're they're fighting and, and he's trying to get the, the cuffs off um, and the lamp keeps moving and the shadows on Roger Rabbit like are actually the shadows in the room. It's unbelievable. Like mm-hmm. that scene shouldn't exist more than maybe any scene that's ever been shot ever shouldn't be possible to make that scene. And what, what works great about it, too, is and the character of Roger Rabbit is this great blend of Warner Brothers and Disney. Mm. And, you know, the uh, Christopher Lloyd as the villain is great. Yeah, um, and Bob Hoskins like, yeah. convinces you that there's another character in that room. Yeah. Oh yeah, time. and you know that he has a great arc too because he's you know he's an alcoholic, yeah. and he's after his partner died and he was and he, it goes really dark. He's killed by a tune and, um, but they also get it's funny because he's killed by a tune who dropped a piano on him. You know what I mean? It's there's lots of you know nods to the the legacy of animation. Exactly. Um, you, when you watch the making of it. If Donald Duck and Daffy Duck are on the screen at the same time, like Mickey and Bugs were, they have to have the exact same amount of time on the screen, the exact same amount of lines. Is the only way Warner Brothers agreed to let Disney make this movie under their Touchstone banner because it was too adult for it to be a Disney film. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you appreciate it as you get older. I mean, uh, it, the, the humor in it is great. 
Yeah. Uh, a little uh, racy at times, but... Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice monkey suit. Wars ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the mystery is really good. Oh, no. It's like, great. Yeah. Like, great whodunit. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, the weasels in it, they're actually my favorite characters in it, because I love that they <laughs> recast them as these, this, these gangsters. Mm-hmm. Um and and it's fun when you go back and watch, you know, uh, Mr. Toad, and you see the weasels show up in it, and you go, oh yeah, that's stop where they start. Stop laughing! Yeah. Do you know what happens when you can't stop laughing? <laughs> I uh, legit found uh, Chris, the judge terrifying. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Kid. Oh, yeah. I was oh, gonna, absolutely. I was gonna say like I've I, I've watched this movie more times than I can count, and it started when I was five. My dad tried to show it to me, and I couldn't get past. Um, the shoe, uh, like no, yeah, the shoe. It's it's yeah. it's he scared me, and then the shoe thing scared me even more, and we shut it off. Yeah. Then like six or seven, watched again, and then couldn't stop watching it. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, what I love is like it's got balance in a weird like in a weird way that, as James said, shouldn't work because you're dealing with a world that has animated characters and live action people blending together. For that, you have to create a reality that <coughs> can be that ridiculous. And there's so delicate a balance, as you said, of Warner's wacky tone with Disney's sincere tone. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing that it works. Um, I, 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 I've, I think the moment when he goes through into Toontown till the end of the film is one of my favorite third acts in a movie of all time. Oh, yeah. It's just because it's, yeah. it's insane. It's a wonderful roller coaster. Um, I love that the movie ends with a song like Smile During a Smile, which is like a, a Nickelodeon novelty thing that you'd play in a Victrola in an amusement park <laughs> in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a beautiful film, and it warms my fucking heart. Yep. And it spawned a great ride at Disneyland. Um, yeah, Toontown. Yeah. Toontown, Toontown Toon Ride? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's really amazing they never did anything else with it. Yeah. yeah. They've uh, tried. but Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like just a couple of years ago, for a couple of years, there was this constant rumor about them making a sequel. Like, it keeps coming up and coming up. And, and it's then... based on a really dark book. Like a really yeah. fucking dark book. Uh, though apparently... Called Who Censored Roger cha- Changed somewhat dramatically. Oh, yeah. Very um, much so. Because like, I think Roger Rabbit is kind of a dick in the book. And he's killed. Oh, yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's because it's the book's called Who Censored Roger Rabbit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and it's... I mean, that's... I saw this before I ever saw Forrest Gump, and so this book got me into Zemeckis. Mm. So, so much so that Forrest Gump bored me when I was a kid. Not Back to the Future. Back to the Future. <laughs> I didn't watch Back to the Future until I was sixteen. Oh wow. wow! Yeah, see, so that's where that's where this all flips for me because I didn't see Who Framed Roger Rabbit until I was probably fifteen, sixteen. I didn't grow up on it. I grew up on Big. Yeah. So for me, this was a nostalgia play of I watched Big a couple times a year for the first you know, between the ages of like five and 12, mm-hmm. um, and knew that film really, really well. Um, and so it wasn't till, I mean, I, I adore who framed Roger rabbit, but it wasn't that integral part of my childhood, the way that it was for you guys. This is the, the, the say Christmas was more. I <laughs> no, no, wait, I, no. I put it at number two. Who framed Roger rabbit is two for me. Big Wrong was number one. one. Yeah. Number one for him is big. Yeah. Yeah. So did you skip over your two? No. 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 Two I said, is Who I, I didn't Rabbit. talk about Who Framed Roger Rabbit because I realized all three of you had Who Framed Roger Rabbit as your number one. Okay. I'm just trying to keep it straight for when I edit it later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I just look for the right the breaks. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, no. And this is like the like if if there's ever a film like that honors the legacy of animation, as Brad said, it's this fucking movie. So. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, so, yeah. James, what's your number one movie? It's big. How big is it? Well, uh, I don't know. It's number one big. Mm. Yeah. So um, it's a movie. Yeah, I I like I, like I just said, I adored Big growing up. Um, I I think both of those films are probably on a on a pretty equal footing in my mind, other than the fact that Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a Herculean film to even be made. Um, but as far as like how I relate to it there, you know, um, your yeah. brother didn't have a dra- piano dropped on his head. Nope. Okay. <laughs> um, but I will say this. I own, I only own who framed Roger Rabbit. I don't own big cause I don't watch it that often. Hmm. Um, but I, I picked it based on what was more impactful for me as a kid than, uh, than necessarily now. So. Well, and I mean, Big though is such a great film. It, oh yeah, it, it's yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with putting Big there. Yeah. yeah, I only feel sad now because this was the maybe the closest we'll ever get to all of us agreeing on a film. I know. <laughs> I I thought Holy that in my shit. head going like we haven't talked about it yet. It's still <laughs> it's still the close. I mean, you know, yeah. This is other than, we're, we're tied with when we all had the 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 game as our number six. From no, 97. the the truth is that <laughs> no, y'all I I did that. both of you fucked up because uh, in 90, 1996 you sort of or seven you should have just put that thing you do and and been correct. <laughs> um, I don't I still don't understand what the fuck y'all were thinking. No, but whatever, well, it's okay. It, <laughs> that was more because I I've I don't watch I haven't watched that thing it's you okay. do as much. But I'm, I do I'm love kidding. that movie though. Uh, but yeah, yeah no, and I can't believe that that all three of you had the same movie. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, but it makes sense because it was a terrible year. There weren't a lot of good movies this year. So, um. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I just realized like yeah, I, I wasn't a Back to the Future uh, kid. I really? watched that later on. Wow. The time travel movie that I grew up with is something for next year. Mm. You should sue your parents for having a shitty childhood. Seriously, yeah. Well, it is crazy when you think about you know, no, how... No, because my parents showed me the, the fun time travel movie, not the generic one. Uh, oh, what? what? I'm going to hit sorry. you with this mic. There's a... I love what, Back Time to the Cop? Future. What's I, it, what? I, what? It, it just involves two men who are destined to save the world with rock and no, roll. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. No. With a little help from a dirty, dirty old man. No. It's weird that you enjoy that so much and it didn't make your top ten. Because it's not from this year. Uh, are you talking about... Um, it's Bill 1989. Yeah, Bill and Ted. It's 1989. It takes place in 1988. <laughs> wait. wait. So, okay. It I'm was going to stop you right there, movie. Zach. You're, you're telling me Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is, is better, better than, than Back to the Future? Future? For me. Crazy. Not you're saying crazy. in general. Just saying you're for wow. me. crazy man. How do you Well, mind? every time you think you hear every, what you thought you would hear on Real Nerds Podcast... Yeah. Something comes along and just. I'm not saying Back to the Future is bad. I love it. That's what no, I heard. I, I heard. I heard Bill's Back to the Future is bad. <laughs> Robert Zemeckis is a Nazi. That's what I heard. Is a hack. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was thinking how important Robert Zemeckis is. I mean, for for how little he's discussed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, between this Back to the Future, Forrest Gump. He's yeah. like right. he's like the opposite of of James Cameron. Like he he makes yeah. films just as often, but isn't a giant douche. Yeah. and is way more important. And has like Great. a lot of like touchstone moments in culture like castaway like Ugh. i always forget that's him until i see it above the title yeah cry like a baby um, well that, it, and know, polar express to a degree yeah part, no, part of it is great. also because you had that that period of time recently where he went insane and made films that looked like garbage <laughs> 
Um, oh, Jim but, Carrey in the Christmas Carol but, was the weirdest but see, thing. But here's the thing: he was trying. He was oh, yeah. trying. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's you know when I hear uh, James Cameron this week saying, "I'm just tired of all the sequels." You're like, "Motherfucker, Dude. you're making nothing but Avatar sequels and producing a sequel to Terminator." Yeah, you are no different. Right? Like you gave up your chance to make Alita: Battle Angel. Like, what the fuck are you talking? You about? You guys know he's drunk, right? James Cameron's <laughs> James Cameron's an angry drunk. You guys, you guys got the memo that he's guys, just been drunk. For guys, the last I hope we get rid of the Avengers. One of my favorite, and I think the the Blue Cats will rock. <laughs> One of my uh, most favorite documentaries. Okay, okay, is um is on just do everything you want the alien <laughs> the alien box set where it's the making of aliens yeah and it's literally an hour and a half of people telling how impossible he is to work with and how much of a fucking jerk he is yeah and someone like Sigourney Weaver doesn't like him and I mean I was shocked that she was an Avatar because yeah. she in that interview she's basically saying she would never work with him again yeah but you yeah. know whatever he commands all I, I, I like his movies yeah. I like some of his movies. And Kellen say, where's True Lies, punk? Where's True Lies, punk? Say Kumite. 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 <laughs> uh, cool. What's your Kumite. favorite movie from 1989? Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that coming out. No, I mean, 88. Uh, Kellen, what movie, did, what movie did you watch last night? Lightning McQueen. No, you watched Monsters, Inc. Did you like the monster movie? Mm. <laughs> no, it wasn't Lightning McQueen. Mm. Right. Uh, next week, I don't know what we're going to see. He has poor um, taste. Do we have people who sub- submitted or something? Oh, yeah, that's we do. It. My mom sent one. Ah, so did my cousin. We oh, had a cool. couple people on Facebook, and then Henry also sent in his list, too. You want to do Henry's first? Um, sure, I will pull that list up right now. Oh, well, I'm prepared, so I'll, we'll do my mom's. Okay. Uh, 1988 began three months after James was born and Jacob was seven. Therefore, we didn't see any of these movies in 1988 um, uh, or the year they came out. Um, the the ones that we saw, we ended up seeing on VHS. Um, when I looked at the list of the top 50s for this year, I realized we had only seen 12. Maybe there were others, but not in the top 50. Uh, so here's my pitiful list. Number 10, Mystic Pizza. Uh, I needed a number 10. It's better than the other two that were left. Number 9, The Great Outdoors. Aw, John Candy, which is true. I, I kind of thought about putting Great Outdoors on there, but I, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, there are some movies that were fine that I didn't put on there and put terrible movies on my list and said, but those terrible movies were important to me at one time. The cinematographer of that film taught at my film school for years. Oh, no shit. I made it, like, just after he left. Oh. <laughs> Um, number eight, The Land Before Time. She just says, the kids loved it. So she also knows it wasn't good. Uh, number seven, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I lived with three guys, and I do love th- Steve Martin. Uh, number right. six is A Fish Called Wanda. I haven't seen it for a while, but I remember it being fun. Mm-hmm. Number five, the same place I put this, Crocodile Dundee 2. What can I say? It was a family thing. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> family um, secret. So, number four, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, this was a, f- uh, oh, yeah, the first time putting live-action cartoons together, which isn't technically true because there was, uh, what was it, Mary Cool Poppins. City? Well, Mary Poppins. But, um, I mean, as far as that style, what was the cool, um, man, the movie with Brad Pitt? Um, cool World? Cool World. Cool no, that World. came after, yeah. was, that, was that after? Yeah, that oh, was okay. after. Um, uh, good story, fun, and need to watch it again. Number three is Die Hard. Still fun after all these years. 
Number two is Big. Uh, sweet story, and of course, Tom Hanks was great. As a mother, I always have a problem with the way the mother seems <laughs> to just go on with life, but <laughs> it's just a movie, <laughs> and her story isn't the one being told. Wow. <laughs> That's really true. I we forget about that. We found the plot hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then her number one was Rain Man. The story is wonderful. Dustin Hoffman is amazing. Tom Cruise is great. Uh, oh, and it starts in Cincinnati. That's right. Um, and then she says, James, we still haven't watched They Live. <laughs> uh, Ryan, is your number one Killer Clowns from Outer Space? No. Almost made the list. <laughs> yeah? Almost made the oh, list. Oh, too funny. Uh, and I'm wondering who's got Earth Girls Are Easy as their number one. <laughs> that was number 21. <laughs> uh, there you have it. Uh, for what it's worth, just thought I owed you guys something. Love you guys, Carol. Yes. Mm. Uh, Henry gave us a top 10 He was supposed to be on this episode But uh, had a last minute um, Work Interruption So um, from 10 to 1 Here we go Number 10 was A Fish Called Wanda Mm -hmm. Number 9 Rain Man Number 8 The Accused Number 7 Grave of the Fireflies So Uh. up with you Number 6 The Thin Blue Line Which is a wonderful film I just It's hard to get through (laughs) Yeah I've never seen it Um, It's it's amazing Uh, Number 5 A one that I should have put on there Which was Cinema Paradiso But Again, really long Italian. Don't watch it all. Wow, we're on Henry's list. <laughs> it's a great film, though. If you love movies, it's a good movie. Um, mm. Like the the like the art, the just going to the movies and whatnot. Like that act. Like it's all about a kid who loves going to the movies. It's wonderful. It makes you cry. Last action hero. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I'll <laughs> of last action hero. Last action hero is Cinema Paradiso, but with Arnold Schwarzenegger and an action. <laughs> oh, so awesome. better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, number four is Akira. So I guess he's counting the year it was released in Japan. Um, Henry saw in Japan, that's why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number three is Die Hard. Number two, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, which is fun, is a fun film, but I did not put it on mine. And number one uh, is Scooby Doo and the Ghoul School, which <laughs> I love that the same way I love Daffy Duck's Quackbusters, where I'm like, I loved it as a kid. Yeah, this is clearly him picking it because like, he loved it. Henry, he is the most hipster of all of us, <laughs> and every time he puts one of those as his number one. I never know if he's punking us or he legitimately believes that is the best film that came out I think this year. I would, I, would, I would bet that his argument would be that that was something he really loved as a kid. Because that was in his top five for the Halloween one, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he just you know grew up really loving that movie. That's, that right. works. Um, if I had put Crocodile Dundee 2 as my number one, that would have been legitimate. <laughs> um, Crazy. Yep. Frowned but upon, legitimate. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shunned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Trent Cole sent us one. He's uh, my cousin. Uh, he didn't cool. put it in like any numbers, so I'll just read him how he listed them. Mm. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yep. Beetlejuice? Die yep. Hard? I- I'm guessing he's going... Uh, it's actually down. top down. Yeah. Um, Coming to America? The Naked Gun? Rain Man? Willow makes a- an appearance. Oh, yeah. Willow. And also Grave of the Fireflies. Willow is a bad film. Sorry, um, George. And then we got another one from Tim Levere. He, uh, his personal favorite is Funny Farm. Oh, yeah. uh, popular favorite, Coming to America. And most, most watched as a kid at the time, Big and Twins. Yeah, Twins did not oh. make it on there. Yeah, Twins. Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you should apologize for Ed Schwarzenegger. No, I was, thinking of, I was thinking of the Simpsons joke where he's like, I hate, I, I hate the presidency. Nobody opens with a joke. <laughs> Um, Corinne actually left a comment um, on one of her favorites. It was just two gifts followed by the title "Land Before Time." Mm, yeah. So 
It seems that's a big nostalgic favorite. Oh, yeah. She accidentally yep, yep, her yep. list for 98. So. so, yeah. So, when we do the 98, we do have Corinne's list already. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, next week on Real Nerds Podcast, I don't 1998. know. 1998. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it might be Film Explosion 98. Mm, no, no. We should take a break. Yeah, we'll find something. Find something. Yeah. Well, then, Brad, you can fucking pick it out of the shitty movies that are out, okay? Well, we're going to go see... Overboard, Overboard. I guess. <laughs> Oh, womp womp. Now we'll figure it out. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Choo, 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 choo. I don't know. Some 80 sound. <laughs> <laughs>